Lisa Feener. Welcome to the Ace Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. Um, so I was, I did a podcast with Randy Cross that you know very, very well. Um, almost to the point of like what we'd call in Hawaii, Hanai family. Yes. Um, that's what it seems like anyway. You guys are family. Yes, bonded. definitely. And um, when we were doing the podcast, actually after we did the podcast, he said, you know, you need to go and talk with Lisa and Jake. And he almost made it like a mandatory thing. <laughs> so um, I ended up, you know, coming up last, my last visit to Maine. And um, actually we're in Maine, by the way, for those listening, we're in Allagash, Maine. And um, my last visit, I, I drove up to see you and to see Jake. And I'm like really impressed by what you guys do. And I've never seen it before. And so can you tell me, um, I guess give me your background and tell me, you know, how you know Randy and, and then what what you and Jake do. Okay, so yeah, uh, Randy was my boss for a decade while I was a, a field biologist with Maine Fish and Wildlife. And so um, I worked under him uh, on his field crew. And also Jake, my husband, worked with him or with us on the, the bear crew, as we just call it. And yeah, we did that for, I did it for 10 years. Jake and I um, worked for Randy for, Jake was there for six and we got married and we were at a point where we wanted to have a family and I knew about myself that I couldn't do both. I am, I'm going to dive all in on one or the other. And so I knew I couldn't be the mother I wanted to be and a biologist at the same time. So I left the job around the same time that Randy retired and Jake and I, we lived in a a different town um, when we started our family, but we eventually landed here in Allagash. And Jake worked um, six months out of the year on the Bear Crew and six months out of the year up here as a guide for his mom and stepfather at Tyler Kelly Camps, which is where we're at right now in their lodge. And um, we just knew over the course of things that this is where we wanted to be. And um, we still wanted to work outside and do what we always did, but just in a different capacity. And so right now, Jake's kind of a jack of all trades. He's had wore a couple different hats while we've tried to grow our family. We have three uh, young boys, three under four years old. And um, so he's a guide. He's a logger. Um, he was a forest ranger at one point and uh, contracts to the state as a field biologist, as I do here and there now that the kids are getting a little bit older. But yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell what we do and... Um, and we're just, uh, we're incredibly blessed. Um, and then I guess we'll talk about it, but we have nine hound dogs and that's kind of our passion and hobby is, um, training our hounds to hunt bear and hunt bear over our hounds kind of the same way. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of a, the bulk of it. Yeah. That's, uh, so when I came up last visit, um, I, you know, met you both quickly. I mean, we talked on the phone, then I came up here and met you. And then uh, before I knew it, we were out in the truck and it was just me and you and Jake stayed home with the kids. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we were out uh, hunting bear, yep. right? And it's yep. uh, right now the season, I was here, was it like maybe a month ago? I feel like so? it was two weeks ago. Yeah. But it's still yeah. lots happened since then. So yeah. maybe, maybe somewhere like in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah three, three or four weeks ago. I was here, uh, but we were out there and I was, 
uh, first of all, I'm impressed by everything that I've seen here, like in Maine, just the, the people, the culture, the hunting, just how nice people are. But I was incredibly impressed by your capacity and, and forgive me, but I don't interact with a lot of women in this number one in this field. Um, whether it's, you know, I, I know there's a lot of biologists out there, wildlife biologists that are women. I just haven't interacted with a lot of them. So you're probably the second person that I've actually really talked to for extended period of time. And then you're the first woman that I've actually been out in the field with that is handling, how many dogs was it that first time? Or, or Well, we had, uh, we had seven in the truck, but um, we hunt six, the six that can be in the woods at a time. So I see. Oh, that's the law? Like, yeah. Oh, okay, got yeah. it. Um, and so you're managing, this is the first time I've ever seen this. So, I mean, this is something you do. So you're, you know, it's like, you know, making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to you. Yeah. But to me, I was, you, you saw me, I was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, what are you doing now? What is that? I mean, what, what's happening here? Yeah. So I was like, so I was so impressed and I don't, I don't want to bring up the fact, oh, you're a woman, you know, you're well, doing this it's just this. a different experience. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I just... I've just never seen that. So it was like duly impressive, if that makes sense. Well, like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was really cool. Uh, we're going to jump around a bit, I'm sure. But I want to talk about that experience first. Like, like I wish I could uh, say what was going on, but I can't. I don't know what was going on. Right. I, I do. I, I, I'm th after today, the second outing. I can kind of see more. Stuff you know? makes more sense to it, you. It makes yep. more sense. But can you explain how we get in the truck and kind of how that happens, how you start your hunt when you, with, with the dogs? Yeah. So um, typically the way we train our dogs this time of year, so in the summer in Maine, um, we have a training season prior to the hunting season. So we're just allowed to basically get our dogs to chase a bear, tree the bear, praise the dogs, and then let it go. Um, and there's so many moving parts to that, which is what was probably slightly overwhelming to you at the time, but, um, and it happens fast or you can drive all day with really no action. But, um, so, so we go out, we go on these dirt roads in the North Main Woods, which North Main Woods, which is, um, in its entirety, 3.5 million acres of privately owned land in Northern Maine. And we have permission by the landowners to, um, use this property and we go out and we just drive in the truck until the dogs smell a bear or we see a bear, which rarely happens, but until the dogs smell a bear and then they, what we call strike, they bark, which announces to us that, Hey, there's a bear here. And then we let out our, our start dog, which was rip. Um, and I let rip out and he starts the, he's the one I trust that if there's, if the truck of, if the dogs in the truck all barked at a moose, he's not going to chase the moose. He knows better. Um, he's going to be honest and he's going to do his best to track that bear down. And he sounds off and he barks through the woods and that lets the other dogs know how to get to him, where to get to him, whatever. And then they all go together as a unit and track down this bear. And then when the bear feels pressure, it'll go up a tree and then they bark up the tree at the bear. And then we just go in and praise the dogs and take pictures. But when you and I were out, um, sometimes it's a little complicated getting the dogs going. Sometimes they take the backtrack. Sometimes the scent on the ground from the bear is old. So there's just a lot of kind of back and forth. And 
And in the process of training the dogs this time of year, we have a lot of young dogs that have inexperience. And so my job is to get them in the woods to rip. And so a Mm. lot of that first day with me was just me trying to get them to him and figure out all, you know, there's three or four young dogs that have to figure out that I've got to get to rip. And, uh, I think eventually that particular day, um, I think my conclusion was that rip, I sent the young dogs to rip too early and it, and he took a backtrack and he wasn't honest and he, you know, dogs have an off day, mm-hmm. but then we got, um, another strike and we picked up, um, a few dogs and put them down on that n- new track mm-hmm. and they went out and they treat a bear. They didn't treat a bear. Excuse me. I don't know why I said that. They went out and they tracked the bear down and they, this bear, we call it a runner. So it's s- small and fast and it basically went to Canada and <laughs> we spent hours in the truck trying to get to the next road system to catch up to them to catch them before they went to Canada. Yeah, I see. I so, see. yeah, I don't know if I did the best job of explaining no, that, but it's um, some hunts are quick and fast and in a small area, and some hunts, like the first one that you saw um, compared to today, which we'll talk about, are just stretched out for townships, and it just mm-hmm. depends on the bear. Yeah. Um, I was... Uh, you know, rightfully confused at first. And <laughs> yeah. then, and then this, uh, this hunt today was, um, it made a little bit more sense, but it was more textbook. It's yeah. And, yeah. and, and like Jake was saying, we were incredibly lucky or blessed to, to have it happen that way, just the way it happened. And we actually got a, we got good footage of the bear today too, which yep. was great. My first bear. Yeah. It was my, very active yeah, in the was, tree. Sometimes they just sit there and hold tight and, or they climb really high and just, mm-hmm. you know, just try to be left alone but this one was like i gotta get out of here yeah and came down yeah yeah which is cool we'll talk about that but you said backtrack what is that backtrack is just taking the track in the opposite direction um so the dog has to discern that the scent in this direction is five seconds older than the scent in that direction and so i want to go forward you know they Mm. it's, it's a matter of seconds of of you know, I, I wish I had better words to articulate all the the details and um, about scent and conditions and whatever. But mm-hmm. the dog's job is to track something down. But when they're young, they're like, it just smells good. This is fun. I'll just go this way. I don't care. Mm. And and then they have the influence of their pack members. So um, Rip tends to check both sides of the road to make sure. But if I put a dog down too fast to him, he might feel a little pressure and mm. and then they just they kind of get group think and they just go with whatever direction they're facing because they're so excited. I see. And so it's my job as kind of the coach to have all my players in the right position. And that's and timing for a, a successful hound hunt with certain of these certain players can be really crucial. And so in that uh, hunt a couple weeks ago, it was just, I think, a matter of me being excited, the dogs being excited, pressuring Rip and he just was like okay whatever we'll just go this way and he's stubborn so he's not gonna you know if he thinks the other dogs are gonna be ahead of him he wants to be the lead dog Mm. if he thinks the other dogs are gonna try to out best him or perform him he's just gonna keep going and he's really stubborn and so um i think that's what happened the other day but 
I see. Um, this psychology is is crazy. Is Rip the one that when we came back was standing on the top of the truck and wouldn't get down with the rest of the dogs? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Like he just feels like he's better than everybody else. Yeah, he's a, he's a drama queen. He's like, <laughs> I, you know, I I think a lot of people that may not may have a little bit of preconceived notions about hound dogs or hound hunting and may only see them in a certain light. They might not know that they're just just like every other dog. Mm-hmm. And Rip is a baby. Mm-hmm. And even though he goes out and he hunts bears and he's like a, he's a badass dog. Mm-hmm. He's such a little bitch <laughs> and to the point where he doesn't, he'll poop in the driveway because he doesn't want to get his feet wet. Like what? he's, he's ridiculous. Wow. He's, and so he, he gets up on the truck because he doesn't want me to put him in the kennel. He wants to go up to the house mm. and he, and then it's kind of a, I think there's a, a body positioning thing. Oh, higher. Yeah, he's he's he knows he's the top dog, and he's gonna he always elevates himself above all the other dogs. If he uh, has a physical, if he has the ability to have physical advantage or elevation or whatever, he always goes to the top of the box on the tailgate, and he holds himself high, and he's just. But he's also a baby. Like he's just doesn't want to do. He he just all of our dogs are indoor outdoor dogs, so they're they're. With the exception of the younger ones, they're all house trained, but we they do spend a considerable amount of time in the kennel or tied out inside on cold nights or whatever. And but Rip's a house dog, and so if he mm. is threatened that he's gonna be tied out, he he'll he'll throw a fit and down the box. And, Interesting. That, yeah. That's so there's a lot of yeah, a lot of psychology. Yeah, he's he's smart, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's yeah. like super smart. He knows what to do. Yeah. And he knows how to kind of get his way. Yeah, manipulative. Yeah, and he knows he's good, so he'll just do what he wants. He thinks very highly of himself. <laughs> yeah. I can't help but laugh. It's at really, that. yeah. <laughs> when I when I lo- I didn't even realize he was on the top of the truck. I looked around. I was like, and I look, and he's standing there, just looking down at all the rest of the mm-hmm. dogs. And I'm like, what's he doing? Yeah. And then you're like, he just thinks he's better than everybody else. Yeah. He does. <laughs> Oh man, how how nuts! And yeah, there's so. I mean, it's really fun to coming from a um, kind of the the wildlife biology background. So when we worked with bears with, under Randy, it was you're in a close proximity to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Whether it be they're trapped and we're going to tranquilize them, you're you know six feet away from them, or in the den where nothing's holding them back and you're two feet away from them, you have to read their body language. And so I came to appreciate that so much and, and it was so important in my line of work. And so when I got into the hound world and having dogs, I always loved dogs, but I just never had them as an adult. And I got introduced into hound hunting, um, through my work on the bear crew mm-hmm. and cause it was just another form of capture method. So we, we would try to catch a female and put it that was a target that maybe she slipped her collar. She's been wearing a collar for 10 years, but she slipped her collar and we want to catch her again and get her back on the air. And so we would set traps. We wouldn't catch her or we would, you know, she would elude us in the den or whatever the case may be. Well, pursuing her with dogs would be another method. So that's how I got introduced to it. And I was like, oh, my God, mm. there's an animal that likes to likes bears as much as I do. likes to pursue a bear as much as I do for different reasons, whatever. And so I was fascinated by it. And then when I got a lot of dogs, I was like this behavior, this bear behavior, um, 
body language, reading their body language, it's all the same with dogs. They express and are and communicate all of their thoughts through how they position their body or their stance. It's not just a matter of simply t- wagging their tail. Mm. It's a yawn here or a side eye there or, you know, really? there's so much to dog's body language and it's such a mirror to bear body language. And so it's really fun for me. And the same with, I mean, I'm jumping around, but when I was trapping lynx as just one of the jobs that I had when I was a biologist and radio collaring Canada lynx, we would catch coyotes as a, as a non-target bycatch. And, um, you could literally make a coyote lay down by staring at them and positioning your body a certain way. And you never have to tranquilize them. And you just walk up to them and calmly noose them like a coyote that everybody thinks is such a villain. You know, I could, I could just stare one down and it would be barking at me and I would just position my way, my body in such a way and stare at it and it would lay down. And then I could walk up and put my noose pole on its tail, drag it up its body, slip it around it and tighten it and, and, hold pressure on it and take it out of the trap and let it go wow and so it's it's just a it's yeah it's a whole nother conversation but that we don't have to go down a tangent but um yeah there's a lot of parallels with bears bear behavior and dogs dog behavior that i get a lot of joy out of thinking about i guess that's neat that's neat so body language is big very big yeah yeah even in us and humans too Mm -hmm. but but man, that's I didn't realize that there was a correlation there between the two or, or similarities between the two yeah. um, dogs and, and bears, especially since you work closely with both you or you have worked closely yeah. with both yep. and still do. I mean, you, with bears too, right? right? You don't, yep. you're not in the dens anymore. No, but no, not since having, our, since having a family. Uh, we've gone out, Jake has gone out to kind of con- almost like in a consulting capacity for the new crews to kind of help teach them kind of the the fine the fine tuning of capture yeah but i i think i've just always been pregnant or (laughs) or had a small child since that's that's a good point you're um you you left being a uh, wildlife biologist to be a mother yep which is essentially the same thing you're still wrangling critters yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) that's funny um do you miss your work oh yeah you do yeah yeah i when I first, when I first had um, our oldest, so that was in 2019. I did den work while I was pregnant, um, and it just happened to fall in such a way that it was still safe for me to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, it was early in my pregnancy, and I could tell right around the end of the season and the end of March that things were feeling different, and that I didn't feel like as being upside down in a den didn't feel safe anymore. I would, if I had to go upside down, I would come up and I'd feel sick. Mm. And so I was thankful that I made it through my last season in 2019, but I, um, but then that was it. Then I was, my, my child was born in the late summer and, and then I've never been back. And, um, that first year was just like, it was like somebody died. Like it was a mm. very, I grieved it a lot because it was my, how I identified myself as, you know, the bear girl. I, I mean, I didn't, that's what I was recognizable. I loved my job. I mm. loved working for Randy. He made such an amazing boss and we were such a tight knit crew and it became this family and we would forego all sorts of other opportunities just so that we could do this one job. 
we would not have a full-time job just because we wanted to work half the year on the bear crew Mm -hmm. and we just loved it and so when i made the shift and had a had a child it was um you go through a lot of stuff anyways uh, when you become a mother not just physically but mentally emotionally and so the the challenge of going back to work after having a child is huge for a lot of women but the challenge of not going back to work is also equally a struggle and so it's taken a long time but i've i've made peace with it um because i always told myself before getting pregnant that um that i could i could always be a biologist at some point in my life if i wanted to return like mm-hmm. that's always going to be there but i could never always be a mother like i, I couldn't i you know it's there's a lim- there's a limiting period on it and i and i didn't want to miss that and so it took a long time for me to k- kind of accept that statement that i always told myself and believe it mm-hmm. but um yeah it was hard it was definitely hard yeah that's a great way to look at it you're not going to get that you know those those times back with your children no. you know and everyone is different you want you want i mean depending on how many kids you have you want them to have the equal uh time with you and you know um, yeah that's neat that's yeah neat, neat and, way to look at it and we you know we're in our 30s and so we we had a really great run you know out of the the first decade of adulthood was just we did a lot of fun stuff a lot of good stuff and so it's okay to not yeah. not do that forever but it was it was a really fun job like we would we would be like i can't believe we get paid to do this this is amazing that's neat yeah um you you your family unit is i mean from what i've seen i've only been up here twice but i've seen you in action as a mom and in action as a uh, as a i don't know Houndsman. Hounds, hounds, yeah. houndswoman. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't waste the syllable, extra syllable. <laughs> houndsman. I, I don't call myself a hue woman. I just houndsman. call myself a human. Hounds. <laughs> houndsman. Houndsman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're, uh, I think, from what I've seen anyway, uh, equally sharp at both. Um, are you? Uh, are, can you tell me about your and Jake's relationship? Like how? how you do that because the, the dynamic is interesting when I came I went out with you today we all went out together your kids are constantly it seems anyway you're trying to integrate your kids into this no matter how young they are the, mm-hmm. the youngest is six months six months the six he, he yep was out there today yeah with us you well know. he's just like a he's like a barnacle you just gotta he's set just him on, somewhere yeah. and he clinks yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the bear's coming down the tree and he's probably within like 20 yards yeah you know i've never seen that before not that it was dangerous in no way that i ever see that that was a dangerous thing i just thought it was really neat like to have your family there yeah well so jake and i's relationship is um simply put we are the best of friends with a um like respect yeah but i just i admire him and i look up to him and so, and I think, and maybe for different reasons he does to me, um, but we, ha- we do have a, we have a shared passion, but, um, and we never want to hold each other back. And so, um, the, the, I don't know, I've never had to talk about us in the capacity, like yeah, he's wonderful, he's great, he's beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> but uh, I just think the reason it works is because we want each other to be happy and what makes us happy is 
getting out of the house or mm. and doing this thing that we like doing. And and then obviously we love our kids and we can't do it without them, you yeah, know, yeah. I, because and 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 we want to raise them in this white way. But we also know that, like, sometimes you just got to throw them on your back and go. Yeah. And just make it work. And is it always easy? Definitely not. It's way easier to just go by myself and, yeah. you know, but we don't always have the luxury of a babysitter, whatever the case may be. And so um, this is just going to be their life. This is what we're going to do. And to the, tr- you know, the bear coming down the tree with the kids right there, it, we read the situation in such a f- probably fast manner that, and look at so many details that, I mean, you don't even know what to expect, mm-hmm. but we're already, we've already assessed the distance, the weather, the condition of the, you know, the, if the, um, size of the animal based on the track that we saw in the mud, how many dogs are there, uh, how the kids are, we're trying to read the kids. And then when we get there, we can already see like A, B, C, D, whatever, but the, we know at the very least that the bear wants to get away. They're mm. not going to run towards a crowd. And so all of us were kind of, we gave the bear plenty of space on the opposite side of the tree to mm. go down. So we're all, like if we were all, if we were all circling that tree, it would be a different scenario because the bear's got to run between somebody, but we're all on one side. It just, it makes for a completely different scenario. It's a young bear. It just, it's, it just wants to get away. It yeah. doesn't want to, it doesn't want any fight. And that was kind of the, the thing that, um, makes a difference at during den work. When we were doing den work, people would be like, how on earth do you dare? The bear does not want trouble. They just want to get away. They mm. will, they'll never strike first if they don't have to, you mm. know? Yeah. And that's probably to some people is like, still, I'm not bringing my freaking six month old baby in any situation that's even remotely close to that. And, I don't know. Maybe we're desensitized. No, I, I'm the first to be like overprotective, you know, in that way. And I did not, not even a sliver of a feeling that it was unsafe. Yeah. Just the way, like you say, first of all, your knowledge, your confidence, you know, your positioning today, like all that was like, I didn't see it happening until after I'm like, oh, okay. And then it didn't even dawn on me that the kids were there at some point. I was like, wait a minute, the kids are here. That's right. (laughs) yeah it was like one of those things where it was i don't know like when we were walking back to the truck i was like this is awesome yeah you know this is really neat it's a little bit addicting yeah no it was yeah yeah i was like you know if we didn't have to come back and do the pot we didn't have to come back but that you know we came back early to do the podcast but i you know i would let's go again Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's neat yeah it's really neat that's why we yeah it's I don't know what it is. I can pick a couple things that I really like about it, but I don't know why it speaks to me so much to do this with dogs. I just don't. I have no idea. It's not anything that I was grew up with. We were really a, kind of a basic. We were hunting family, but it was just you know go out and try to get a deer, and that was that was it. And I wasn't allowed to hunt as a child, and so I have no idea why this is just such a obsession of mine. Mm. And and I, I do enjoy the dogs. I enjoy taking care of them. I, um, I, yeah, I love my dog chores. I love my, I love t- taking care, clipping their nails and taking care of their bedding and all that stuff. But that's still not why I hunt. I have no idea what the draw is, but I think 
one of the biggest things is they, you can almost live vicariously through the dogs. They get so much freedom to roam and they take you to places that you would never go otherwise. And they, and they bring you to these experiences that are profoundly impressive. And, and then you get to walk away and you feel, you feel good. You just feel like I've, you feel like you did something and, and you saw something and you're with good people. I don't know. Yeah, it was neat. Um, I, uh, I wonder, I mean, I was watching you today and I was like, I wonder if there's anybody who like was your mentor, like anybody that you saw that, um, man, I, I want to be like her. I mean, she's a hunter. She, she hunts bears with dogs or anything. It seems like it just kind of came on you organically. Like it's just like this is you fell into it. I I there's a little bit of both. And so like I had said earlier, I got exposed to hound hunting through work. And um and then I had, you know, I had meant I had a little bit of experience on a hound hunt, but I, I like you, I had no idea what was going on. But fast forward 6 years, we had this one bear at work that we eluded us in the den. And so Randy was like, we should get hounds in the springtime and, and try to catch her. She had a collar that was going to, it was going to die at any moment within a week. And so we had this short window to try to catch her. And so through a long, I don't know that I wouldn't waste effort on the details of trying to explain this, but we ended up with a houndsman that we didn't anticipate having that came from New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And he said, can I bring help and he brought another houndsman this husband wife team kelly and jared Irwin. and i had my ex and i had just got one hound dog at the time we had just talked about getting a hound dog so we just got one we go to do this job to try and catch this bear these houndsmen from new hampshire come up kelly and jared Irwin and another guy and i was totally blown away at them same like i was like oh my god there's a people that like have hounds mostly the hounds and how they handled because the the one experience i had before this the hounds were just maniacal like you just couldn't they had no off switch and um we chased this female we never ended up getting her but we we chased her for a few days you know we obviously her collar only worked a certain window during the day and so we had just a few hours to get after her and i couldn't believe it when we pulled the dogs off kind of like you probably saw today like we told them to stop we, we toned them and, and we said, that's enough, leave it. And they, they settled down. It took a lot. And we had to walk away from the tree for them to stop after the mm. bear ran off. Mm-hmm. But um, we, you know, working on their off switch. And then they walked out. And then, like, their job's over. They walked out of the woods. And I had never seen that before. So with, with Kelly and Jared Irwin, we pulled the dogs off the bear and drove down the road a mile and then let them out to get water. And they were playing with ice and puddles and being silly dogs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't. I don't understand. I'd never seen that before. And she was like, well, this is their dogs. Like it's, they're mm-hmm. not, they're not tools. They're not just these robots that mm-hmm. just scream through the woods. Like I just had seen. She's like, they're, they're dogs and this is what we do. And so she would definitely, and her husband, I would say shed light on what was possible. Mm. And, and I've, and I've kind of followed in her footsteps since she had her son. Um, he's like, he's 10 he'll be 10 now so she was eight months pregnant hiking through the woods to a bear tree 
like the mountains of New Hampshire. She had him on her back ever since she, so I had the picture Mm. and saw what was possible. And I don't know if I would have done it if I didn't have her in my life. We've become best friends and I've never met another woman that like you had said in the beginning, like you, you don't meet a lot of women that are in this field or capacity of mm-hmm. how they, you know, operations, I guess. And so I'd never met a woman that I was like, there she is, the friend that I've been looking for. Cause I don't relate to anybody. Cause I have probably, I'm, I've always been a tomboy, a t- uh, masculine temperament as Jordan Peterson would say, like it, mm-hmm. it just, and so finally I met a, a gal that liked all the same stuff that I do at the same capacity that I do. And so even though she's, you know, 10 hours away, we still talk daily. And oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I still, I, I kind of fell into it, but met all the right people at the right times in my life. So, yeah, I don't think it's quite as organic as some. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like a hybrid, I guess. Yeah. But um, but that's neat. Yeah, I wonder. I wondered about that. I'm, yeah, thanks for sharing that because I was like, I wonder if she knows somebody like her. Yeah. Because that's the first time I've seen that kind of thing, and uh, and it's really cool to watch. Now I'm not gonna press you on being a woman, you know, because you don't seem like the type that likes to talk about that thing, that type of thing. Like it, um, like um, what do they call the kind of the woman's movement? No, feminist. Feminist, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you don't seem like you you would want to talk about that kind of thing, but I want to, I do want to ask you because I'm sure there's going to be women listening, at some point, and uh, want to know um, maybe a little bit about your experience as a woman coming up, whether it was hunting or because I remember we were sitting in the when the first time we went out and you were telling me about your experiences. You you mentioned it just a little while ago. You weren't allowed to hunt. Um, or yeah, um, yeah. It well, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no. I, I think I get the gist of your. You're going right where I'm okay. going. Okay. Yeah. When I was growing up, I say we grew up in a hunting family and a hunting community, the hunting culture, but it was just not something that women did. And I remember there was always such a big. It could have just been simply because there was always a big fuss about deer camp and deer hunting, and it was something my dad. You know, my dad did everything with us, but then all of a sudden this one thing he only did with my brother. And I remember being little, being like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. And no, that's just something that dad does with Mike. And, you know, you just learn to accept it, but it never, I could never really fully accept it. And it wasn't until I got into college where I was like, I really just want to go hunting, but I didn't know what to do. And so, you know, I... I eventually went with an, uh, an ex-boyfriend and, um, and just kind of started where everybody starts, which is deer hunting, turkey hunting. And it wasn't until bear hunting where I was like, it finally clicked where I finally felt that stronger, like the strongest desire where I don't want to necessarily want to do it with anybody else. I just want to do this thing for mm. myself. Mm. A lot of times I feel like a lot of people, you know, you pair up and you have a buddy and that's what you do together. And, but you, you don't necessarily kickstart the whole experience by yourself it's always you know it's hunting is something that there's some level of mentorship yeah to get you going but it wasn't until bear hunting where i was like i i'll do this i don't need anybody to but it was it was the dogs it was hunting dogs that made the difference and um and so jake always credits me with being the reason why he hound hunts because i 
I had one hound dog and when we started dating, he and I got another and then we've been growing it ever since. So now we have nine and we're trying to keep it small because you have a tendency to be like, oh, it's one more. What's one more, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's not that it, it, yeah, I guess just it wasn't the environment in which it was popular at least in my part of the state growing up where women hunted. It wasn't popular at all. Downstate, maybe more so. I think it's becoming a lot more popular, but um, I had no female as mentors. In w- as in women hunting or, w- or yeah. hound hunting? No, hound. women hunting. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I had no female mentors until Kelly, my friend Kelly. And it was just always something that interests me. And I... I've always been an animal lover and to some people that might mean different things, but I've had a, a, um, a great appreciation for animals and only always desired to work with them to some capacity. That's why I went to school for wildlife biology when I was growing up as a child, when you, you know, ask a kid what they want to be for when they grow up, I always wanted to be a vet because that's all I knew that worked with animals. And I just tried, I always stayed on that track. And, and then hunting is just like one more level on the whole cake of, or whatever analogy where you get to interact with animals and the outcome is always different, but that doesn't make it any less important or valuable. Um, but yeah, back to the kind of being a woman in the field, I guess, uh, I don't really think about it. Hmm. And I think that is a difference with kind of me or whatever you would, I guess I'm a, there's a feminist and then there's me and I don't know what my label would be, but Mm. I just don't spend a lot of time thinking about my gender. Mm. I think it's not really something that I have to prove to anybody. Mm. And there was a, there was a spell in my life where I didn't really, um, I liked working with men because I always felt like it was a level up because the job that I was working was very physical and I always had to kind of find a way to, you know, I had to be strong and and whatever. And, um, and I didn't maybe necessarily appreciate my femininity, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. But, uh, but then when I did den work, I'm like, the reason I'm in this job and I'm of value, obviously my mind is an important component, but I'm small enough to get in these tight spaces mm. where a man would struggle. But um, that doesn't make my job more valuable than their job of doing something that's really physically demanding. And yeah. you just appreciate it for what it is and you don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. We would take 200 guests out on den visits a year and people would say oh, they'd really focus on me just and it was so unfair because i every day working with these guys we never talked about anything that had to do with gender and oh let me do this there's no chival- there was just nothing we were all the same yeah you know and then these people would come out and see what we would do and they'd be fascinated by it but they'd hyper fixate on me as a woman doing the job and they'd want pictures with me or um be like, oh, I can't believe you do this. This is so awesome. And I'm like, these guys do it too. Mm-hmm. See these guys over here? They're mm-hmm. doing it too. And they're, they're, we talk about equality all the time, but then we, we always 
always focus on a woman doing the job. If it's equal, then why are we even talking about it? Like, why are we still having this conversation? And I realized my experiences are not, you know, a lot of women have a lot of, still a lot of um, struggles with the whole equality factor. But in my job that was very male dominated, I, I never, I just, it just wasn't on the radar. It didn't matter. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. Because to a lot of other people, it does. That's why you're getting those pictures. Oh, I want to get a picture with her. She's the only woman. And yeah, and I, I think I, you know, I, I need to recognize that it was impressive to them because maybe they think about themselves in, in that capacity and they'd be like, I can't even imagine or, or, or whatever. They're just, maybe they're proud. But um, to me, it felt unfair because I had three guys standing next to me that we're doing all the same work all day long in the snow and the cold in the rain. And they're not getting the pats on the back that I'm getting And it. You know, it's almost like it's an overcompensation. Exactly. And it, it's unnecessary. Just like we're all a good crew. We work really well together. We get the job done. Who cares what's what, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that with race too, like in some areas, like if a certain race of person is doing something that's not normal for that race or whatever, that's super uh, hyper fixated on. And um, I mean, it's, I guess it's healthy. I mean, it's human nature in a way because it's, it's to draw comparisons. Sure. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or rare abnormal for for someone to fixate on because it's, they don't normally see it. Mm hmm. But I, I like the fact that, um, that you, the way you view it, that it's just like, I don't look at myself as a woman. I just look at myself as somebody who likes doing what I do. Yeah. It just, it shouldn't even be part of the conversation. It doesn't, and this, you know, this is, I'm sure I have had people say, well, you haven't had to go through, you're like experiencing the benefit of all the struggles that women before you came from. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, at some point that should be normal that I shouldn't have to continually thank all the women before me that like, when are we going to stop making it a big deal? Yeah. If you, if it's true, if it's, it's truly equality and it, it, it shouldn't matter. When are we going to stop talking about it? Yeah. When are we going to start, stop parading? If my, 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 I can't be hired based on my gender, you know, I should, or I shouldn't be hired based on my gender i shouldn't be denied based on my gender so why when i'm working this job are we still talking about my gender you know it just yeah and i don't mean that in a way that like i'm not offended that you're asking about because it's i understand and recognize that people don't interact with a lot of women in some capacities like hound hunting or whatever it's a rarity I, i totally get that but like i just don't I just don't care. Like, yeah, no, I don't. I, I'm not taking it that way. I think I, I understand. We've spent enough time around each other yeah. to know. I'm to know you're not like that. Um, but I just wonder, like uh, other women out there that listen, you know how they how they might feel. Like, oh, that's neat, or I wish I could do that, or maybe giving uh, somebody the confidence to to um, you know to step forward and and take. You know, just take that step towards like, hey, I never even thought that that'd be possible for me. You yeah, know. I think that my advice would be basically what we're saying. Like if you see something that you want to do or that speaks to you in any way that d- that you ha- have any level of desire to try to experience, don't muddy the waters of all the things you have to think about with you, that you're a woman. Like mm-hmm. it, just don't think of, 
just do your best not to think about it. Like, don't be timid. If it, you know, it's not like be confident when you're confident, but don't think that it matters. It matters that you're, Oh, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to figure out how to articulate what I'm trying to say, but I had this experience, um, back to Denmark. I had this experience with a, a professional, um, warden and they, uh, so the, the game wardens of Maine had a new class and they just finished their warden school or whatever. And kind of as a, as a bonus, we took them all out to a den and there was, I think one woman in the class and, um, and so the bear, we had tranquilized the mom. We took them out. The cubs, we brought the cubs out. Everybody got pictures. We did all, we, you know, we did all of our, our biological work and then we got pictures and then we, um, it was time to bring the mom back into the den. So we would drag her in first and then settle her into a, um, into her nest in the den. And then we'd bring the cubs in and leave them. And then we'd kind of put stuff up and just leave the family alone, whatever. So it was the boys, the guys that I were working with, they were on the, there was probably 18 wardens there and the guys were on the other side of them talking to them. And it was me and this gal. And I just start tugging on this sow. She's 200 pounds. And, and I'm just heaving on her. And I was, and I, I can't remember the gal's name, but I, I said, Hey, give me a hand. And, and we just started dragging her in and she used it as a platform to say of all these guys around and the two gals are dragging the bear back to the den. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you even advertising it? Yeah. What does it matter? You know? Yeah. And I think, I know I'm kind of getting away from your question for advice, no, but I think it's just, just do the job. Yeah. Just get the job. You see that something needs to get done. If you see that something that you want to go get after and try out, just do it. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's exactly what you were, you were getting to. Have you, um, have you felt any discrimination at all during your, you know, whether it's being a houndsman or being a wildlife biologist, was there any, could you think of any time where you were like, wow, you know, I feel like that's a little bit of discrimination just because I'm a woman or you don't seem, you don't strike me as a type that would think that way, but has there been anything? No, I have had uh, a couple instances where I was always the kind of senior contract we were contractors so we weren't state employees we were just contracted to the state but I was the the highest level contractor in the project and um we had a couple situations where we somebody would come in and um be like who's in charge here and I would say I would I remember in this particular instance I was first in line to this person we were in the woods and he came into the woods where we we had caught a bear we were at a trap site and he came into the woods and he said, who's in charge here? And I was right there. I said, I am. And he looked beyond me over my left shoulder to a, you know, a six foot tall, 200 pound man and, and went right by me and started talking to him. Mm. And, and it was just like, don't, it's not like, let's just get through this conversation and we don't need to bring whatever. And I, I just ended up, I don't remember the outcome, but I remember being like, oh, that's so irritating. Mm -hmm. And then in the same way, um, you know, Jake had been on the bear project his first year and he was still learning all of the details of it. And we had um, we were in an office. We were trying to drop 
two orphan cubs off to a surrogate mom. And so we were in an office on in off hours and the janitors were there and the janitor had tons of questions because there, there's bear cubs in the office basement, you know, where like they get to see bear cubs. So they have tons of, they're totally intrigued. They have tons of questions mm. and they look right by me to ask Jake because he's the man, you know, he, yeah. it's a man talking to a man and he's that maybe that's that guy's comfort level. And maybe he's not comfortable talking to me because his wife's right. Who knows? But Jake would, he didn't really know at the time, it was his first year, how to answer all these questions. So he would just be like, I don't know, uh, Lisa, you know, it was really, Jake was uncomfortable. He he was just like, I I felt so bad. Like the guy wouldn't talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, even when he would, you would answer his questions, he'd still direct the next question to Jake. Yeah. And that stuff gets a little annoying, but Mm. it's, it's not discrimination. It's like cultural ignorance or yeah. like more their experience yeah you know, social or, ignorance or inexperience yeah. yeah yeah understand there yeah i'm just so impressed by it and, and again and I, I didn't want to even bring that up because i know I've, I've spent enough time around you now to know like that's not a big deal but it's more for women listening you know i, I yeah i feel like there's a lot of women out there that um have the capacity i, I they all probably have the capacity to do it you know but I think my experience is that I've always been um, I've always been around a lot of guys and I I don't um, I'm very comfortable mm-hmm. whereas like if I were in a group of women I'd be like I feel so out of place here because <laughs> I don't like I don't I my I didn't brush my hair I'm not wearing makeup like <laughs> my pants have stains all over them from <laughs> like I just feel so kind of then I I feel a little bit more self-conscious because I I feel like there's like a hierarchy of how you look mm. but when I'm around guys I'm like whatever I don't, I'm just this is just I come as I am and I think that there I I think it's important probably for me to recognize that that plays a huge role if you're kind of conditioned as a woman or if you've grown up in a, in a way that you're not comfortable or you're not around a lot of guys and then you enter into a world that's very male dominated that there are a lot of probably insecurities that you have to overcome mm-hmm. to get you to this you know if you want to hunt like you want to be treated the same but maybe it's just socially uncomfortable yeah atmosphere i don't know um yeah there's definitely probably a lot of hurdles for some that i i don't quite understand because i just don't have that same experience yeah as a woman hunter is there any other animal that you would uh either haven't hunted yet that you would like to hunt or any uh, if you've hunted deer elk in the past is that something that you still continue to do or would like to do or Let's say you weren't as busy because I know you guys are busy. You're busy with your kids. You're busy with uh, the business and outfitting. And if um, you had time, you know, what, what, are there any any other animals you'd like to hunt? I would really love to hunt a mountain lion mm. with dogs. With hunt with yeah. hounds, yeah. And um, I think that I'd love to try an elk hunt because that interaction. It's like out here. There's we've got the moose hunt. Yeah, and it's very involved and very interactive and i hear that's kind of similar to an elk hunt but um i think my jake teases me all the time because he's like you would just eat the same thing 
you never try anything new. Mm-hmm. You never, I'm like, cause this, I like this. This makes me happy. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to eat this sandwich this way because this is like, if we go to Subway, <laughs> he's like, can you just try something new? I'm like, no, this is really great. Why do I need to change? <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of the same with hunting. Like I enjoy bear hunting so much. And I feel like there's so many different ways about it that I haven't hunted that I'd probably just bear hunt. Different ways. The di- different ways the rest of my <laughs> life. But a mountain lion hunt out west would be definitely on the list. Yeah, Jake mentioned that today, yeah. too. He's like, yeah, mountain lions, man, we'd, we'd love to do that. That would be like the honeymoon we never had would be a mountain hunt, mountain lion hunt out west. Neat, neat. And then you said possibly elk. Yeah, because I think I would enjoy the active part of it. Because the first t- day you were out with me, I was trying to explain, like, most hunts, it's just kind of, it's generally kind of passive where you're like, oh, the deer aren't moving or, you know, the bear's not coming to the bait. Whereas hound hunting, it's just like, we are going to be on a bear today. We just, it depends on the level of effort we put forth. Like we're going to, we're going to find, it's active. It's very active. And we can, you know, and I think that I would like that in a, in a moose or elk hunt, just very involved, active, interactive. Yeah. You would know more on moose you know, than I, than I do. I have no idea, but elk is amazing. And elk hunt is just how, like you said, interactive, the calling, mm-hmm. just, I mean, I, there's nothing like it. Yeah. You know, deer hunting is fun. I mean, that's, but man, elk hunting is, I would highly recommend that. I didn't sure. really get um, into deer hunting and I, I wouldn't say that I'm still very much into it, but when I met Jake, he's was into, he's into tracking, um, big deer on snow Mm -hmm. and uh so he introduced me to that and that is the type of hunting that we i really enjoy and we don't really i don't really get to do it um because i know it's like it's something that he he likes hound hunting a lot but he he also likes a lot of different things a lot and so tracking a deer on snow is like his thing and so i kind of i you know i sit that one out now but um yeah that's that's where I would probably try to hone in the next style would be just getting better at that. Yeah. I asked Randy this at length about bears, um, like their, you know, the characteristics and their behavior. But I want to ask you, like, from your view, like, um, not just the hunting, but you've interacted with them in dens and you've uh, you interacted with them as a wildlife biologist and, and hunter. Can you could you articulate what um, just what a bear is like uh, um, the we know the anatomy I mean we know the the anatomy pretty well but uh, Randy explains it as um, they're almost they're almost like human beings mm. in a way um, from your point of view, could you describe your, your interactions with them, whether it's in the den or, or hunting them? I feel like a bear draws out, um, a really strong, they, hmm. they demand respect. They do not tolerate rude behavior. And they draw out a level of humility in a person that is like unmatched for any other animal. So, and I guess what I mean by that is that they're intimidating, right? They're like at close proximity. Like 
you you don't know kind of what you're getting into. But then I've seen them as mothers and I've seen them um, in situations that they're really uncomfortable in and they they practice such restraint of in conflict. They do not, a black bear. I mean, I have zero experience with any other bear. But a black bear in Maine, they have so much ability to practice restraint in conflict but also be like highly potential for you know they have such they're so powerful they're so they're all the they're like the all-time sports athlete that you could ever imagine they can run swim jump climb do anything they're very they have great dexterity with their paws they're like they're so physiologically incredible but then their behavior is just like it almost um, forces a lot of self-reflection, I guess, if you really spend a lot of time thinking about it or interacting. So, when, And I think what really impressed this upon me is just seeing them in the den and seeing how um, intimidating they can be or scared. You can They can look you square in the eye like you are not coming near me with that needle, you know, because we were trying to tranquilize them. Or that another bear of the same size, but just a different life history, just a different exper- life experiences, could take and hide her, f- hide her face in her paw, just and not look at you and just try to hide. And one, you know, one bear might run between your legs, and one bear might knock the flashlight out of your hand. And there's just like a whole spectrum of experiences. And then they turn around and they talk to their cubs mm. after doing so, and they do this deep clicking in their throat or they job hop a little bit and they tell if their cubs are of a certain age in the den, you know, cause they're only five to eight weeks old when we, when we handle them, they'll, um, the cubs will shut right up. They won't say anything. And then, and she'll, you know, she'll just assess the situation and then square off with you again. Like, yeah. Okay. Mm. Try to get that needle into my shoulder again. Wow. And it's just like that. How intelligent could an animal be? Like, that's incredible that they, have the capacity to be not just just well thinking animals it's they're really amazing and i i have so many you know there's so many uh memories flashing around in my head right now of just all the different experiences with a sow and a den but um and so one might be like well, how could you possibly shoot that mm. i i actually i hate shooting bear i hate shooting a bear i love to pursue them I love to eat them. And then the act of killing them is weighs very heavy. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, my first experience, sh- um, shooting a bear was, uh, let's see, it was 2008, 2009. And I had been, um, capturing and tranquilizing bears under Randy's mentorship for two, three years. So I had a, a reasonable amount of experience, a reasonable amount of close proximity experience to bears. And so the first time I had, I had shot a turkey, I had been deer hunting, never saw anything, and I had shot a turkey, and that was the that was the bulk of my experience. So I was sitting on a bait, and um, it was opening day, so it's like August 31st, like 80 degrees out. It's ridiculous. And the sun's setting. It's like a half hour before dark, and out comes this bear to the barrel, just like you would expect. And I, I had been bear hunting one time before, but I never saw anything and I fell asleep, you know, and I woke up to a flush of like birds coming by and I thought I was being, you know, it was just like, you know, when you wake up and you don't know what's going on and 
and I was terrified thinking it was a bear. So, so that I'm sitting in the stand, the bear comes out, I decide, and this is something that Randy said, you know, cause he kind of mentored me an ex, but also Randy mentored me in hunting. And he said, it sounds really silly, but when you see a bear, you have to say, that's a bear. Then you have to say, I'm going to shoot that bear. And then you have to say, I'm going to pull the trigger. Mm. Like have very conscious thoughts in the process of doing this because it's a very important decision that you're about to make. And you need to know those three things and, and tell yourself that it's going to happen. And so I said, I'm like, that's a bear. I'm going to shoot that bear. And I pulled the trigger and I hit it and it, then it ran off and I, my ears were ringing and I just started crying, just crying so hard. I was trying to hear, I heard, could hear crashing and then I heard nothing. And then I heard a little bit of crashing and he was running towards the road. And I was like, oh my God, he ran across the road. I wounded him. I was just, I was just a mess. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of it, I, I remember telling my mom this story and she's like, do you think you cried because you're so close to the bears that you, you know, you, and I'm like, no, I was, there's so much buildup before you make those three decisions or th- three acknowledgements. That's a bear. I'm going to shoot a bear. I'm going to pull the trigger. There's so much adrenaline. And I, I blew my mind that I had that experience. Cause I was like, I have, I've poked bears in shoulders three feet from me upside down while in the snow and they're swatting at me. Like what, why am I so jacked up right now? Mm. I couldn't understand it. And I, I later just came to the realization that their, their, the responsibility of their life and their death is very important to me. And so as a biologist to tranquilize a bear, I'm responsible for their life. If I don't do my job right, they die. I've done my job wrong. If mm. I miss, if I miss the shoulder and roll off the back of it and hit it in the chest cavity, I could kill that bear. Mm. It's a very high likelihood that I would hit it in the heart and I would kill it with the drugs that we use. So it's important that I do it right. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm in a stand and I've decided that now this bear's death is my responsibility. If I don't have the shot in the right place and I wound this bear, like that's, I'm not, I haven't done my job correctly. And that was an incredible amount of responsibility. And so the, the crying was the feeling of all the adrenaline leading up to, and then the, the worry that I failed, Mm. that I failed that bear because it meant so much to me. So I was advised with my ex-boyfriend at the time, like shoot a bear. Just, he always told his clients, just stay where you are. Don't get down. Don't try to look for your bear, don't whatever. So I was like, oh, that probably applies to me. I shouldn't get down. But I was like, there's no way I can't figure out what I just did. Mm. So I went down and there's blood everywhere. And he had only gone 30 yards and he died right there. Mm. But I had, my ears were ringing so much that I, I, I thought he crossed the road, whatever. And so it was from that experience that I was like, yeah, it's, uh, they mean so much to me and their life means so much to me. But when I choose to, end it like you got to do the job right and and then and feel whatever you feel and then move on to the next phase Mm. you um the reason why i asked you that question is because i hear this similar um course of uh killing a bear hunting a bear and killing a bear from everybody that i've talked to i'm not i'm talking about everyone and i've also seen it um articulated by hunters on you know, uh, TV, um, you know, mostly like Netflix and stuff like that, that 
or Netflix and, and YouTube that um, people talk about killing bears and there's something mysterious about it, right? And some people, it's hard for them to articulate it. The, I don't know if it's a closeness of man, like they, because they're, they're so much like us, that they're so intelligent, that they're, their behaviors are, might be so similar. There's people that I've, I've heard that they just, they would, they can watch a bear for a long period of time, just watch it and just be fascinated by everything that it's doing. And then, and, and these of course are hunters, you know, and I've said this before, bears that have been in scopes before that people won't kill for some, for some odd reason. Um, and I'd, I love to hear your take on that because everybody has like a, a almost like a, a pause. They're like, how am I going to explain this? Because this is, uh, it's, un, it's almost unexplainable how I can, how I feel about a bear, you know? Yeah, I think, I wonder if some of it has to do with um, how much we probably take for granted how much has, um, we've been influenced by cultural stories mm -hmm. that when we finally get into that experience, like it, it it makes us pause because we, you know, they're so revered in so many different cultures mm. for different reasons, whatever. But then maybe that, maybe that has part of the reason that when we're, I mean, you just don't kind of know which way you're, you're, um, how things are impressed upon you throughout your life to when you finally get to the moment, you're like, yeah, it's impressive to mm -hmm. see a bear in the wild is impressive. It doesn't matter I don't know why it is it maybe because they stand out so much because they're dark and <laughs> I have no, I mean any animal, but I don't know. They're impressive. And maybe when you get in that situation, you're like, I just, I'm so in so much awe right now. Mm. I don't want to, or I can't, or I, you know, maybe you hesitate too much and it's the, you miss the opportunity. I don't know. Yeah. I can't tell you how striking it is to hear you still talk about bears this way but have worked with them and been in close proximity and hunting them for so many years, but you're still like at, you're still pause. You're like, okay, how am I going to say this? You know, it's, it's some of it strange. might be that, you know, like I haven't, I haven't molded over in my mind much, but you know, I'm looking at this bear over here and it's got a striking chest blaze. It's got white paws. Like they were dipped in paint, which is really unique. And, I'm just wondering about her story. That's a female, just because I know um, the story about uh, who, you know, who shot it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and I just, I'm thinking about her, her age and how many litters she's raised and where she lived and did she go on food, um, we call them food sallies, but did she strike off in the fall for 25 miles to go up to a beach ridge? And like, I'm wondering about her story mm -hmm. and, and, and the same with the male, like that big bear over there. Um, yeah. That, I mean, I, who knows how big that was, but, and I don't necessarily know that, that bear story, but, and I think about all the females that, I mean, I've, uh, next to Randy, I've handled thousands of bears and, um, you know, he's already, he's handled, I've been, I'm in the low thousands. He's in the high thousands. And, uh, they, yeah, they just don't get old. There's, I I don't know. I look at it when it's, I look at deer and I'm like, yeah, okay. 
<laughs> to, to some people, a bear may just be like, oh, it's a bear, isn't it? I've seen one. I've seen them all. And I'm like, yeah, deer, whatever. It's nice. Yeah. Like, I just don't But a, something about a bear. Yeah, there's these huge uh, moose bulls here, too, and then these these real big trophy bucks. Uh, by the way, we're sitting. You you t- you said earlier that we're sitting in your um, your family's lodge. Yeah, and uh, so there's a it's an outfitting lodge, and so there's a lot of for those who are listening. There's a lot of uh, amazing, amazing trophies here. What was the name of the outfitting? Tyler Kelly Camps. T- Tyler Kelly Camps. So they do some good work here. But um, I'm looking at this the big bull moose or the two big bull moose over the the bears that you're just talking about. But you're not talking about their story. Not. Like, no. Yeah, it's the not. most interesting thing to me about the bulls is their antlers when they drop them, and if I could find them in the woods, that's shed hunting's pretty fun. But like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it bull a bull moose when you're it's it's impressive. I mean, Jake would have incredible stories of because he's a, uh, a he's an excellent moose guide, and he's guided uh, some Boone and Crockett moose here out of out of this camp um, wow. for his mom and stepdad and. Um, yeah, they're nice. They're cool, but I, I, I'm not thinking about their life story. Maybe yeah. I, but I'm, I'm looking at that bear underneath the the bull mount, and I'm just like, man, I wonder what her life was like. I That's want, neat. Yeah. There's something. There's something weird about it. There's something weird. When I first decided that I was actually gonna start looking into bear hunting, it was a big decision. It wasn't just like, hey, I'm gonna go deer hunting. And that was a big. I mean, to go hunting is, you know, especially at first, is a big decision anyway. But when I I had to mull over bear for a long time. I had to watch a lot of like hunting videos. I had to like research them and still to this day, like of course I haven't killed one, but I I still and I have that hunt schedule with Randy, mm-hmm. you know, which is gonna be amazing, I hope. And I'm still thinking to myself, not saying that I don't wanna go, but I'm still like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm actually going. Will I be able to do it? And I don't mean to sound like a pansy or anything like that in that way, but it's it does, um, it registers with you. Yeah. You know? I wonder if it's, like, where they are classified and, like, what type of animal they are. So, like, a, a deer, a moose, an elk, like, they're basically, they're prey. They're prey species. Versus, yeah. like, a bear, even though it's an omnivore and it's mostly eats vegetation, it's, it's a predator. And so, yeah. do you, if you were like, oh, I think I'm going to go on a cougar hunt. Or a bobcat Not the hunt. same. Not, the, not same. the same. I've I've mulled that over in my mind a lot. Those two, the the that that they're both predators, and it, it doesn't. I'm not gonna say it's still a life, so I'm not gonna say it doesn't bother me. But right. I, I, in a way, I want to say that it's, it wouldn't bother me to shoot a mountain lion, um, especially if, of course, it has to be legal and it's you know you know yeah have a tag and managed correctly and that kind of thing. But that goes without saying. But same thing with a bear. I have a tag in my pocket for a bear. I can shoot a bear. It's still kind of like there's a different level, like Randy put it. There's a different level. You 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 reach a different level when you say I want to shoot a bear. I don't know, and I have yet to shoot one, but I feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel that like diff- that that step up into like a different atmosphere for that. That's kind of the benefit of uh, this different st- forms of hunting that can uh, give you opportunity to think about it. So like the hound hunting, for example, today we caught a bear and we didn't, we didn't necessarily position ourselves as if we were going to 
like this is kind of practice for us. So mm-hmm. typically you go into the situation differently than if you were, if you were going to harvest that animal mm-hmm. or, or expect to harvest it. But we went in and we we're just like, whatever it's, you know, we'll take a picture and we'll go and yeah. get the kids with us. But we would do things differently if we were going to try to kill that animal. But regardless, if you were, you have the opportunity to be like, this isn't for me and you can walk away. Sure. And, and, and then you can repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until finally you get to a situation where you're like, I'm ready to do this. Whereas if you're like glassing, I don't know how they hunt out West, but we don't, we don't, as you can see in Maine, there's no glassing opportunities. (laughs) It's as thick as snot here. So different. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we hunt over bait. Like I think, I don't remember the, what percentage, but the majority of the bears harvested in Maine is over bait. Mm-hmm. And it's still in that instance, you can sit there and you can be like, this isn't for me. And you can let it go. Mm-hmm. But it, because another bear might come in or you have another day. But I feel like if you're glassing over a valley in the open country and you see one bear on your fifth day of hunting of seven days, you'd be like, this is my only opportunity. I don't mm. feel right about it, but I don't want to, I just yeah. spent so much time, so much money, so much, you know. And so that's what I, I obviously haven't done any of that, but I do like the catch and release aspect of the method that I do, which is I can see the bear and let it go. Yeah. I'll tell you two quick stories. They're both from today. You were in the other truck with the kids, but of course I was riding with Jake and we had a similar conversation about bears and, um, he said he was guiding a kid, um, you know, the kid, somebody who's younger than him, and had he had the opportunity to do the Grand Slam, I guess you guys call it here, mm-hmm. which is moose, deer, turkey, bear. Yep. Is that, is that the yep. four? And he had gotten everything, and he had he had the bear left. <clears throat> so he's, uh, Jake gets on the phone with him. He's like, yeah, come down. I think I can get you on a bear. So they get down, and or he comes down. And within, I think he said 15 minutes, they're on a bear. And he goes, he, he comes up to him and he goes, or they, they, I don't, I think the bear was treed. I'm not sure if it was bait or treed. And Jake goes, there's your bear. And so he puts him in the scope and he's looking at him. And Jake looked at me like he's driving the truck today and he's looking at me and he goes, he goes, I could already tell. And then he said, he didn't want to shoot the bear. And, and so I said, I talked him through it. I said, you don't need to shoot that bear if you're not feeling it don't shoot it, you know? And so he pulled up and he didn't shoot it. And then the bear came down and then ran away. But he, he had the opportunity to do his grand slam and that's what he came for. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, he just didn't feel like the bear gets in his scope and he's looking at the bear and he's like, I'm not going to shoot that bear, you know? And I, I want to say this is a hunter that's hunted bears before, shot bears before. It's not that that was his first bear or anything. So that again, that speaks to the, the, that story, that mystical story of like, what's going on there? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I, I wish I wish I maybe with more experience, I'll be able to kind of put my finger on it. Um, I, but I'm still, I'm fascinated by that. Like, what is this? Why, why how is, is it valued in such a higher yeah, way than why others? Why is this? Yeah. Th- the other story is, um, uh, Jake is, uh, you've, I mean, he's your husband, so you know this story too. <laughs> he's telling me that he's on a, that week trip that he goes hunting with his family, mm-hmm. deer camp or whatever. So he's there in deer camp and, uh, he stops and he's next to like a brush pile 
and he's just eating a piece of candy or something, and he hears this rustling in the brush pile next to him, and this bear crawls out and stands up, and it's this huge 300-pound bear, and he has a tag in his pocket. He could clearly shoot the bear. He's like 10 yards away, and he looks at that bear, and he just says, I'm just going to let you walk. And then and he had the gun on him, too, for, from what he told me. He had the gun on him. He was going to shoot him. And he got razzed so bad when he got back to camp. When by, he got home, too. Oh, my. <laughs> so there it is. I'm like, why didn't you shoot why it? Why didn't you shoot it? He's like, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. Yeah. yeah. And, man, it just made my skin, like, I was like, you know, we call it chicken skin in Hawaii. But I was just thinking, he's telling me these stories. And then I'm thinking about, I work in New Mexico right now. And I'm in Farmington and big Native American population having a conversation with this archery hunter he teaches archery like for for the u.s team or something like that big time archery hunter big time just hunter in general and we're talking because he's native american i was talking about yeah i was was thinking about going bear hunting i said have you ever he goes no we don't kill bears and i said really he said yeah there there's some native americans out there that kill bears but we don't we don't do it in our tribe and i said i wanted to dig in on it and you know figure out why but i already know why I mean, you know what I mean? There's no need to ask, but it's that thing, you know? Yeah. It's like, what is that? What is that? It just, it, 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 at this point it's inexplicable, but it's there. Yeah. It's just like an elephant in the room. Yeah. But you can't quite put your finger on exactly why. Yeah. Like, you know, it exists, but you're like, why is it there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's mystical. Mm. If, if I was to put a word on it, it's just like, it's mysterious. It's. Something about that. And then, well, back to what I had said about um, you, you don't ever really know how much stories or cultural influences weigh in on your um, dis- disposition, I guess, towards a situation when you arrive there. So, you, f- you know, I, I think of, I don't know the details of the story, but I remember um, hearing about a child, a three-year-old child that was... Um, wandered off and was lost and when rescuers found him it was like days later it was really cold that you know, like he he sustained cold temperatures for a couple days mm. before they found him and uh and i don't remember how far or and i really couldn't even put a source on where this came from but um but when the child was you know rescued and then they tried to get information about his experience and he's like well i just stayed with a big black dog and he was like in the woods with no, hmm. and, and it was said that, the, that a bear just came and like kept him warm. He slept with a big black dog. Oh my goodness. And it like gives me, who knows how true it is or how much it's been tailored or whatever. But just thinking about the, the care that this child, you know, was cared for. Or survived, but based on what he his story, he said it was a big black dog, and it was thought to be that it was a bear that came and just hung out with him or kept him warm or whatever. But I I don't know if that's true. But I think about and I think Randy mentioned this to you. But a sow when she is lactating or when she's in a pretty much in the in the den, um, she would adopt anything. Mm. I mean, and I th- Randy told you yeah, on the podcast about the the beagle pup that got stuck in a den for a couple of days before they could get it out yeah, because she wouldn't let him thing. go. Yeah. And so when we would have, if we had orphaned cubs, 
we would go, we'd have certain sows that we were like, okay, she's a good candidate for as a surrogate mother. And we would go toss these orphans, complete strange cubs into a den. And some of the experiences I I have one on video um, of Jake and I, our first year, we had three orphan cubs that we split between two sows and we had already seen these sows earlier in the year. And then these orphan cubs showed up. And so Randy was like, take them up to, you know, the Northern study area, toss it in with this bear and this bear, and she'll be able to raise them. She, even though she has two or three cubs of her own, she can handle it. She's physically capable, whatever. Mm. And so we did that and we had one cub left and we had to hike up this mountainside. And so Jake had the cub in his jacket to keep it warm. And when we leave a den after we've, after we've handled the mother, we put boughs down. Boughs? Uh, spruce for the, the tips of branches, mm. just the softwood boughs. Mm-hmm. We put them down and um, and then cover it with snow just to kind of cover the entrance and mm-hmm. kind of leave it. Because we have to dig all the snow out to find the entrance of the den. So we just try to kind of leave it the way we found it, so mm-hmm. to speak. And so when we got there, we had to dig all that snow away and it had settled. And, and so we got to the boughs. And we could hear, I mean, the sow was just blowing this <laughs> and jaw popping, mm. just mad. And she was, she was slapping the boughs, like slapping the entrance of the end of the den because mm-hmm. she knew we were there. And then she heard, so Jake, he's like, what do I do? Cause it was his first year. He had no idea. And I was like, you better, he pulled the cub out and the cub cried and she's like started like digging her way out of the den to get to that cub. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, get rid of it. Like put it. And so he put, he just put the cub on the boughs and she reached up and grabbed the hips of the cub with her teeth and pulled it in. Mm-hmm. And the cub's just like melting into the boughs. Go, ah, ah, ah. Mm-hmm. And so she, and then she got it in there and she goes, well, that's not, it doesn't sound like that, but it's like a deep, Mm-hmm. And it just stopped crying immediately. And then you could just hear her sniffing it and sniffing it and licking it. And then wow. the next year it was in the den with her. Oh, how cool. Yeah. That's neat. So it's just like you think of, you know, I think of that story of the three year old. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like it probably. I mean, they're such amazing mothers. Like they're just incredible. Yeah. Seems like it. But it just to think that this mystical experience could have happened that, uh, you know, a wild animal took care of it. It's kind of a romantic story. Sure. But. There's stuff like that all throughout history that has to do with bears. Just like these incredible stories or legends or, yeah. There's yeah. not a lot of legends about deer. There's yeah. not a lot of legends about a coyote. Good know? point. Good point, yeah. They're I just guess. part of the so many stories. Yeah. Maybe it's a collection of all that. Um, but then there's, and maybe that's the same way for the Native Americans, how they revere the bear that way. Because, of, of course, that guy was saying that he doesn't hunt them for whatever reason culturally. So maybe they have their reasons and they've done things or they've seen that behavior in that way, too. Like maybe more human behavior to the to where they're like, yeah, they're too close to us or maybe some kind of reincarnation. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to embellish, but it, it, there's something there which is really interesting. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Today was a great experience seeing my first bear. I know. Yeah. You know, you've seen thousands and put your hands on thousands, but every single one though, it's 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 awesome. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah. Um have you I asked Randy this, but do you have any experience at all with brown bears or nothing like that? It's no. all it's all been bears, black bears in Maine. Yep. 
Do you know anything about uh, black bears in any other, uh, whether it's states or ecosystems or or talk to those scientists to no, see similarities? No, I've been, I've really, uh, you know, kind of keep my, my head to, my head down and just worked here and I, people would ask me like, oh, do you want to go out west and work with brown bears or, and I just, no, they, they're so scary. Yeah. <laughs> I just not, I don't, I have so much of an, it's still such a incredible experience here. Like I don't feel like I, um, I don't feel like I'm like, I'm not, it's not an old hat. It certainly isn't an old hat to like, that I have to keep putting on that I'm tired of doing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really know, you know, I, I, I haven't obsessively really explored much beyond just what's in my backyard, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I have a limited, limited range, very focused, focused work yeah, or experience. Yeah. Main black bear specialist. Yeah. 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 Um, we were driving down the road today too. And, um, Kendall, um, somebody else that works for Maine inland, uh, fisheries and wildlife, uh, he was talking with Jake because you all have been on the bear crew and um, the way Jake was explaining is when you see someone else who worked on the bear crew, it's almost like a, even though you don't know them or, you know, if you know that they have, there's a fraternity there. Oh, yeah. What is that? Is that Randy? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I and it, it could still exist. Um, you know, there's there's people that work the bear crew now since we've left that have that worked under Randy and, but it, I think the dynamic or the, um, the environment that he fostered in all of us, um, it just like that family unit, mm-hmm. the, I call it like the brotherhood, but yeah, fraternity, you know, yeah, I married one of them, but they're all my brothers, you know, the, and I grew up, I have a wonderful brother and I have a tight knit family. And, and I think when I got out of, high school you get into college and you still desire that unit mm-hmm. and um and I just kind of got it and I think a lot of it too for me related to athletics like I was always in some team atmosphere mm-hmm. and so when you get into the workforce it gets it's highly it's a highly competitive field and you feel that and when we worked with Randy we did not he did not allow for like you know, you don't undercut your team. He really emphasized teamwork and focusing on people's strengths and not their weaknesses. And, and, uh, he was just kind of, he's just such an incredible mentor. And so, yeah, when we all, so I wasn't, I met Kendall through, um, the bear crew and I became friends with him well after I never worked with him. We've never, and we were never on the crew together. I came in after him and we've worked together since as just in a, you know, as biologists in the capacity of whatever a job was at hand. But, um, yeah, it's just, you just like, you get it, you get it, you get the experience, you know, what you've all been through and what mm-hmm. you've had to do for a job and how hard you've had to work. And the, you know, if it's 20 below or whatever, you've been there, even yeah. if it wasn't at the same time. And, um, but Randy was just such an incredible mentor and friend that we, yeah, we still, we still, appreciate that even now i mean we're still kendall drove his family seven hours up here so that we could all go bear hunting together <laughs> or bear training i sh- hound training i should say mm-hmm. that's neat yeah what's so special about randy i don't know he <laughs> is just this lovable guy 
he is, um, he's really humble and, and genuine and a little bit goofy once you get to know him. And he likes to work hard and teach people how to work hard, but isn't afraid to, you know, have a good time and make work fun. And I don't know. I don't know. He's yeah. a good man. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the universal thought about Randy Cross. Yeah. 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 He impacted a lot of people. He kept a list of of the many lists that he kept. He didn't really um he was kind of forced to work on the computer, but uh he'd rather handwrite everything out. But he kept a list of of uh all of the people that worked on the bear crew since he started and it was easily 90 individuals that worked in a in a six weeks you mm. know like a six week we have a three-month season of field work and a six-week field work season so in a short window of all the people that came through the bear and, and then, then there's those of us like jake and Kendall and I that have come back year after year after year after year where there's no room for anybody new to come in. So like the individuals that he worked with and impacted that went on later to be biologists all over the country, mm-hmm. just to, as a start working with him or for him, depending on what capacity he was in the project. And it it's, it's pretty remarkable because these are like, these are professionals in their field and they got their start mentoring under this man that, um, I, I just don't think you could ask for a better person to get your your kickstart your career, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he was really uh, I described him as fascinating to talk to. His the conversation with him was this mind blowing, and he doesn't really he he's got that monotone, just kind of just like you. What did you say about a run on sentence? Yeah, he's, I mean it's it, it has an eeyore tone <laughs> with it. <laughs> love you ran i'm not teasing you uh and it and it just he has a a lot of thoughts that can carry on and on and on and on and and i used to say to people that would come work for us in their first year or so whatever the first time coming out i'm like you're gonna it's gonna feel like you just heard this story but there's always a lesson like he always has a lesson i mean the man was able to to train individuals to be like it's normal to tackle this bear Mm. you know like through his stories of you know back in 2008 we were doing this den this happened kendall did this and he would just tell these stories about in 1986 this happened and then this happened and then and then so and so tackled this bear and you know so by the time it comes time for you to tackle this and why i say tackle bear like this is if the sow runs from the den and her yearlings run, we would tackle the yearlings and hand syringe them mm. to get them to tra- be tranquilized. So I'm, we're not just like out there, like as a football team tackling random bears. <laughs> but part of our job to, for capture was to to dart the mom if she ran. Sometimes they just stay in the den, but sometimes they don't and they would run. And so dart the mom and then get after the yearlings and grab them and fight this little Tasmanian devil until you can get some drug into him. Is extremely challenging and fun. Yeah. But yeah, it, through storytelling, this man can make it feel like it's because it, it's 
against every bone in your body, every fiber of your being <laughs> says, do not touch that, yeah. you know? And so through this storytelling or the one <laughs> run on sentence, yeah. it, it, uh, yeah, you were like, okay, this is what you want me to do. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it, man. <laughs> yeah. He's got, uh, uh, that ability it seems well he's trust uh, you, you trust him you trust he's him, a trustworthy yeah. individual yeah, yeah. Very that, that's what i so. get that's what i get yeah. you trust what he says absolutely lee, lee even had a story lee told me this story that um lee had just started and so they put him with seasoned randy cross and uh he had uh and i think he told this story at uh randy's retirement or something he was saying but um there's this big I think it was big bull moose or something like that. And, uh, it was causing problems in this area and it was like near this house or whatever. It's just standing there. And, uh, Lee gets this idea. I'm just go over there and put a syringe in him. And then Randy goes, yeah, sounds good like that. And so, <laughs> but, but with a seasoned guy saying, yeah, it sounds good. gives you that confidence mm -hmm. to, okay, he's signed off on it. And so he goes over there and does it. And then he comes back and he's like, Wow, that was easy. I didn't even know it was going to happen. And Randy goes, neither did I. <laughs> like, it's like <laughs> yeah, that's very relatable for me because yeah. there were my first den. It was just me and Randy, the crew. It was preseason. We had to collect a couple callers to get them prepared to turn out back onto into the field to on another bear. So it was just like a, a pre-run. And, and, and it was up in our northern study area, which the bears are easier to catch up there. So he just took me. And I like, I didn't. I, I, I should, by all standards, I should not have been there, but he took a chance on me. I had volunteered for him a couple, uh, yeah, one season and he just believed in me. And that's like that him believing in me snowballed my whole life. Basically. Mm. Like I just, I don't feel like I would be here today. I would not have met Jake. I would not have my family if it wasn't for this one man, try not to get emotional. If it wasn't for this one person that just said, I think I'll take a chance on her, wow. you know, like, and so, um, yeah, the first, the first den, I, he's like, I'm like, you want me to what? <laughs> he's like, well, just crawl in. I tranquilize the mom. So you just crawl in there and tranquilize those yearlings. Like you want me to crawl over that bear that was just <laughs> awake and go poke these other bears that are still awake. He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, are you sure they're not going to bite me? Mm -hmm. He's like, no, they shouldn't bite you. <laughs> and like he always just had this like well they might but he, he would, yeah. he's just like no you're fine you're fine it's fine he always just had this really calming ability yeah there he tells a story about this one um he's a one of the head biologists now for fish and wildlife um nate webb he was stuck in a tree so he he went in and this we call it a smokestack but a an old tree that's rotted out and there's a hole in the top and the bear went in and went down into like you know the bottom where it's mm -hmm. not rotted out and so they got, Nate got in there, he was really skinny, and he was able to get down, and you can't quite bend down when you're standing in a cylinder, mm -hmm. but he was able to kind of bend down just enough to, to take her collar off and replace it. But then he, when he got up, he had no, he couldn't pull himself up because it was kind of like right at his neck, and he got so tired from trying that he fatigued himself, and he was, time was going on, and the bears start, you know, there's only so much time that these bears are tranquilized mm. and he's like i'm stuck i'm stuck in here 
and and, and the other, I guess the gal that was working with him was, she's like, oh my God, oh my God, he's stuck, he's stuck, like kind of panicking. And Randy sits down and open, he cracks open a little soda. <laughs> he sits in the snowbank. He's like, well, 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 let's think about it a bit. Like, how, like, she's like, what are you doing? He's stuck. He's like, yeah, well, we'll figure it out. You know, like, he's just <laughs> he's so drinking a soda. And, and, and that was something he impressed on Jake and I that we try to carry through to guiding, especially with hound hunting, because it can get exciting. As you saw today, there's yeah. a lot happening. And so if you're, as the leader or the professional in this situation, you are in charge. If you are panicking, like if we were running around a little stressed out, you would have felt that yeah. and you would have been worried. And it's the same with how we, that's how we go about with our kids. Like this is normal because we're, we're making safe decisions for ourselves and our family. If we were worried, everybody would feed off that. And in the, when we were doing den work, we were taking people that are like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm this close to a bear. That bears, you know, and if the bear started to wake up, it was our job to not get excited and just just move through it very smoothly, very calmly. Because if you have 25 people standing around, like you can't afford for everybody to panic. Mm -hmm. And so he really impressed upon it. And that was kind of the that monotone. Like that's, I think that's 40 years of trying to keep a level, calm head in kind of dicey situations. But yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard him ever raise his voice or like not even shout. He just never has done anything like that. But he's trying, you know, he's leading by example. Yeah. Yeah. This is that command. We Same thing with EMS and like uh, emergencies and medical type stuff. Like if the person in charge is uh, excited, you look to them and they're excited or vice versa. If they look to you and you're excited, then uh that person who's kind of like the the newbie or the rookie or just doesn't have a lot of experience it could throw everything out of balance mm -hmm. especially if that person has a big job to do and then they look to you and you're excited then it's kind of it's a trickle yeah, like down. if you're trying to get anything in the like work a needle get it in the vein like if there's time sensitive stuff and somebody's even the slightly you know off their out of sorts about anything yeah like yeah i can imagine how that would be catastrophically not good yeah i can imagine as well um wow a, a lot there yeah a lot there um tomorrow i talked to to nathan mm -hmm. uh about deer stuff uh do you know him pretty well i don't um he started working for the department while i was a couple years before i um stopped and we were just at different kind of I never worked under him. I never worked on his field project. And so we just never crossed paths. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I don't really know him that well. Yeah. I was talking to Kendall today. He said he's really smart and he said that uh, he pretty much heads up the, the deer program for Maine. Yep. Yeah. Um, deer are uh, very, I talked to Randy about this, but deer are, um, it's a big thing here in Maine that deer hunting, big part of the culture as well as moose and bear. Um, and, I asked, Randy told me that the, the, the bear's diet is more, less uh, predatory, if, if that's the right term, and more of, um, is it foraging? Yeah, or, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, vegetation versus um, animal matter. I see. So in preparation for, uh, Nathan, I was going to ask him about that kind of thing, like what he's seeing as far as predators versus 
you know, the, the deer population and how that interacts. Have you, have you seen a lot of that? Because we, we just got through talking about how amazing and mystical bears are. But on the other side, they're still beasts. Yeah. Because, uh, the, uh, for example, a boar will kill the cubs, right, in order to bring the, the female back in estrus. Is that true? Well, I don't know if that's a direct, it's definitely a direct, depending on the time of year, direct result of the action. But I don't know if it's the reason for the action. Mm. I think it's a lot, of, a lot of times people say that. Sure. But in my, lim- it's limited experience, but... The, um, and then also stuff that I've heard from Randy from his experience, uh, some of the collared sows would get killed by boars just to, because they're food, they're food, like the sow mm. itself. So she, the, the boar might kill her young, but he would also kill her. I see because he's hungry. And so that, that may, leads me to believe that it's not necessarily to get her back into estrus to breed her, but more that she's in a vulnerable state trying to care for and protect her cubs. So she's easily you know, she can, she's going to try and defend her cubs and then whatever a fight ensues and then he kills her and then he's going to eat her. Yeah. And so, so I'm not so, but it does happen. Mm. And I had told you last time you were here of the experience that I had where I had a collared sow that was her, um, collar was emitting a mortality signal, which was suspicious that time of year. It should have been sending us an active signal. So Randy said, go down and check on that sow. And she had sure enough been eaten by a bear and that, when I first walked into the area, it was just hair everywhere and big scats, just huge scats, the diameter of a Coke can. And her ear tag was in one scat and it was just like, holy crap. But like she was clearly eaten by a big bear, but I didn't know that if she was killed by like, maybe she died and he stumbled upon mm. her and then just ate her cause okay. it's springtime and they're hungry. And then, um, I went and walked around and I saw where she had climbed a tree and then way far above. Cause she was probably only, 45 pounds she's just a two-year-old just a small bear but way up above where she could not the length of her body standing up like way up high in the tree she was there were claw marks that like ripped her out you could see claw marks in the tree where she was holding on where she was ripped out wow so that to me was like well she clearly was that was an escape and there was just so much activity around that tree and um so yeah what limited experience i have is that yeah they're predators and they're mm-hmm. And they're very capable of, they're kind of lazy predators. Mm. It's just their, their whole strategy around food is to use the least amount of energy for the most out, for the most gain, mm-hmm. least ga- output for the most gain. And so they're not going to like hunt something down that takes a lot of effort, but if they're opportunistic, they're going to, they're going to get after something. I see. And so, you know, in Maine, we have a high bear population population probably 75%, 80% of the state is a high bear population. And, um, and then in the, we have deer statewide, but the densities are really low in Northern Maine, but we have a high moose density. And so bears and moose calves or bears in the Northern part of the state or bears and deer fawns in the central, all in all parts of the state, but that's where you would see a prevalence of it. Mm -hmm. And we haven't really had a, a study to really doc there's been documentation but we haven't had a like study by any means to really like put a f- our finger on what's happening with bears and their interactions with these other animals mm-hmm. but it, it does happen yeah that's what i was going to ask him is more 
on his side of it, and I got Randy's take on it. I wanted to get your take on it, but on his side, what is he seeing as far? Because that's important to deer hunters, you know, like, um, you know, what portion of the population is being taken by predators. Right. Um, you know, for us in uh, the western states, it's mountain lion and bear too, but you don't have any mountain lions here. No. Uh, and they're more predatory and less uh, opportunistic. Right. So, um, yeah, I was just wondering about your experience with the deer. Yeah, we, I don't have any firsthand experience, but I, I, I have seen pictures when I was, one of my jobs at one point in my career was to um, check hunter harvested deer in a certain county in the state. I was responsible. There, there weren't, it's just part of the management program that we would do for deer. And so I was contracted um, to just go out and, and collect biological information on hunter harvested deer. And uh, uh, one of the hunters that I checked had a picture from his game camera of a bear carrying a fawn. Mm. And so, you know, there's evidence. That's evidence that I came across. But yeah, I see. And, uh, and we have that for moose and for um, both Kendall and Randy tell stories about uh, some of the bears in our northern study area getting after moose calves. But um, like I said, we don't have any numbers to associate with it because we haven't done a study but it, it i don't think it's impactful mm. it, i think it's it's like it's part of the part of the whole experience or part of the um the world out there but i think most mainers would first go to a coyote as a problem for deer and not necessarily deer fawns but deer wintering in maine especially really? up here they they are not good in deep snow and so they, they yard up. This whole town is littered with deer in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. The reason we don't have a portion of our grill on the front of our truck is because we hit a deer because they're everywhere. In the winter. So they all they come from Canada. They come from all over. And they come to this town. This is a historical deer yard. Mm -hmm. And they just hunker down here because there's enough softwood cover where there's low, lower, I should mm -hmm. say, snow. And... um. Yeah, and there's different portions of the state that have deer yards, but and then a coyote comes in here and exploits this concentrated food source. Sure. Because the coyote can stay on top, but a deer can't of the snow. And so it, that's a problem. So people are pretty sensitive in the state of Maine about coyote control versus bear control because they they fixate on the coyote as the, the I problem. Because they exploit, you know, deer when they're at their most vulnerable. Whereas a bear is just kind of like bears not a problem in the wintertime. It's only around out in about six or seven months out of the year. Yeah. And then uh, they don't really, they do it, but they don't do it consistently and you don't really notice it. Mm -hmm. So uh, are coyotes, you can shoot them year round here, do you know? Or? Uh, I should know, but I don't. Okay. But I yeah, we have a pretty open coyote. I need to find that out. Yeah. Here. That's good. Um I mean, we have night hunting. We have we have for coyotes. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's good. Um, yeah, because that'll keep the population down for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so, man, I didn't realize it was such a big uh, deer yard or deer. Uh, that's why I guess these hum there's humongous trophies here. It's kind of uh, it's the trophy hunting for deer is good in this area. Yeah. So where we have early snow during deer season mm. is pretty much up here. Like you're not down in Bangor or anywhere south. There's, it might be January, February before you really have substantial amount of snow mm. and some years, not even, but up here we always have four to six feet of snow mm. 
And so that starts in as early as October. But it really, I think the first year we moved here, we had, um, by Thanksgiving, we had a, at least two feet of snow. And then we had a rain and it melted and it was gone by Christmas. And then we built it up to another four feet before, you know. Mm. But we have a lot of snow. So deer hunting is basically the month of November. And mm. we had snow all November. So people flock to he- not just here, but northern Maine in general mm. to hunt, to find a big buck track and track it down and shoot it. Because they're so, they're just, it's hard hunting here in Maine. Yeah. We don't have the agricultural fields. We don't have the high densities, but there's, there's. The, they call them big woods bucks. I don't know if you've heard that term, but in mm. the Northeast we call them big woods bucks um, because they're in, there's lower densities of deer in these big commercial northern Maine forests. And so the deer that are here have very little competition for food. And so they just get big. Uh, so I if see. they're going to make it, they're going to be big and they're going to have a lot of surplus energy to make big antlers. Mm. And I think that you'll talk to um, Nathan about this, but a a really important indicator of density is antler beam diameter. It's one of the major things we measure in Maine Mm. because and they're on yearlings, excuse me. And I don't want to butcher whatever, you know, you learn from him, but that's, that's, so that's surplus energy, right? That goes to the, Antler growth is surplus energy. So if you don't have a lot of deer to compete with for food sources, that's where you're going to get a lot of mass. Wow. Okay. I'll chat with him about that then. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I wanted to touch on that just because uh, it's different in different parts of the country. And it's so, uh, Maine is so unique because it's so, it's so thick in areas yeah. up here. I don't see how you do it, how you hunt. But, I mean, I guess with dogs. No, right. Do- <laughs> dogs. I mean, dogs, bait. Uh, you can, like, you're going to, probably try to do with randy is a free um what is it spot and stock yeah but it's 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 going to be challenging but you you kind of utilize seasonal food concentrated food sources to your advantage Mm -hmm. at the end of the year when they need to eat the most and and but yeah it's 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 quite a cool strategy i don't know if jake told you about any of his um bears that he got spot and stock when he was a, a massive one Really? Just on a beach ridge, just like you guys are going to do. Oh, cool. Yeah. Randy said he's checking that thing every week. He said he's going up there every week and checking yeah. that area. And he's seeing a lot of signs. So yep. he's like getting me excited about oh, it. Oh, he's so pumped. Is he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yep. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to tell uh, the folks about your business here? or uh, um, And like kind of when, like dates and when it starts and, and that kind of thing or who they can contact? Yeah, so where we're at right now at Tyler Kelly Camp's Lodge in Allagash, um, this is my my in-laws, um, Jake's mom and stepdad, and they've been doing, um, they've been an outfitting guiding business for 30 plus years. Um, Wade is, is um, my father-in-law and he grew up here as, um, his, this is, his parents live right over there. His sister lives right over there and it's just a small, small community. So they, um, live and thrive on outfitting, guiding, and basically forestry. So logging. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of their niche and, um, they're nearing retirement. So Jake and I are, are, are taking on their bear hunt for next year for 2024. Cool. And, um, so, uh, yeah. And eventually, as they enter in retirement, however that looks for them, we'll just, we'll just hopefully be able to 
carry on the torch, but um, it's uh, bear, moose, deer, grouse. It's kind of the the four major things that people come up here to hunt. And yeah, but it's kind of a it becoming a slowly becoming more of a snowmobile destination. Um, shed hunting is really big, but in the summer, musky fishing, trout fishing, native really? trout. Yeah, okay. so that's just kind of it's be, it's the bread and butter for the community and for our family and um yeah as our family small small as they are starts growing we'll have more people on hand to help with baiting bears and getting yeah. the season ready and training dogs but we're just you know i didn't think of that those kids yeah. are going to be working yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good they're already getting exposed to it now that's great yeah, yeah i'm looking around at, at some humongous racks here um moose racks and and white tails just this phenomenal uh quality that's going on up here yeah and this place is like this place is awesome i mean sue and wade they they converted this commercial um building uh into an amazing lodge just wade's an amazing carpenter and sue is so capable at anything she does and they're and uh they put this together and this is yeah it's it's definitely a uh, speaks to their passion for for their craft i guess yeah last night super nice guy um uh so the last thing i wanted to ask you i always kind of try to fold this into uh my the hunting and the the wildlife aspect of of uh our conversations and that's uh family you know and how that uh how hunters and 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 people who are outdoorsmen and women, um, you know, uh, what the, how the culture meshes with the, uh, the hunting and, and outdoors culture meshes with uh, family life. And I usually ask, you know, uh, whoever I talk to to speak to that because that's something I think I've told you before and it's something that I've seen. <laughs> There's a correlation there that gives... Um, I don't know. Gives from what I've seen anyway, gives stability to the family. Probably add that um, hunting in itself forces you to be present, and I think we, you know, we easily get caught up in distractions that are um, unnecessary or just just take away from the present moment, and I think in my um experience as a you know i'm only four years in being a mother but to have quality you have to be present and i think that's a parallel to hunting like you have to it forces you to be in the moment and so when you when you probably when you're you know out there or when you incorporate your family like you just kind of naturally fall into that where you if you're out hunting, you're, you're present in the moment. And then in that carries around to your home life, you, you recognize or are practiced at being present in the moment. And, and then it, I can't, I think it probably strengthens the bond. And then the children see the, the passions too, or the interest, and they just want to do what you want to do. So if you're, if you're actively pursuing your passions in hunting it's just a natural course that the children want to do it too. They want to do what mom and dad are doing. Do they want to do it all the time? No. 
Mm. But um, and then it becomes a a pattern, a habit, and and it becomes a an expectation or a habit in your family that this is how your family is structured. And so, I, yeah, I think probably what I um, that's what my takeaway is from my experience is just that how present in the moment I am. I am a I am a better mother outside in the pouring rain picking strawberries and getting eaten alive by bugs than I am in my house trying to put together blocks of Legos. <laughs> I just don't have the patience necessarily or I'm distracted. I want to do other things. I'm on my phone, whatever. But if you throw me in an uncomfortable situation and I have to just take care of my kids and play with them and be and throw rocks and play in the mud, like I'm, I'm way better at it outside. I'm just a better person to them than stuck in four walls in my home because it forces me to be present. You know, I have to, I have to think about, I can't think about the laundry, right? I'm not thinking about all these other things around me. I'm just there with them picking Mm. strawberries in the rain. Yeah. And it's pretty beautiful. Yeah. No, that's an amazing way to put it. Do you think it's the focus, like the focus of uh, when you're, like you said, working hard, like, is it the focus of, hunting hard being out there being present in order to find that that animal that you've been hunting and looking for and stalking and then like you say that correlation you have to work hard as a mother in order to 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 foster a better family mm. better relationship with your kids and your husband it yeah. seems like that's it right yeah yeah everything's so just dist- i mean even in a house it's over the things around us or the light sometimes or the sounds of the TV or the radio or the refrigerator running, like it's all so stimulating. Mm. And I think we feel that and it builds and builds and builds and it's all just it smells, sounds, whatever. And then you add in bills or, or household tasks or your mother's coming over or whatever. And it's just so, it's so much stuff. It's, mm it's out there it's completely just everything that's there is necessary mm-hmm. and and every moment that you're in you have to have focus yeah you can't afford to be distracted yeah. and it's it's a uh, yeah i think it's a it, it's just like working out like you have to build on a foundation and make something a habit to continue it forth sure. like i do not work out and well, you were you're an athlete. You played soccer, right? Well, I'm an, uh, yeah, but I, I since having children, I the any spare time that I do have, I, I have zero. If I start, if I had a habit of it, mm-hmm. I'd love it. I know I would because I used to be used to do that stuff, but it's not a habit in my life right now, right? Mm-hmm. But knowing, I know that like if you make a habit of something, it just carries on and and balloons out in other parts of your life. And that's the same thing with this habit of hunting or habit of being outdoors. It just carries on in other parts of your life. The focus, the presence, all those things that make you a successful hunter or and success being whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be that you come home with a trophy. It could be that you just had a really damn good day. Yeah. And you really felt like everything went really well and you feel good about yourself. And that's how I, that's the experiences I have and I'm I feel like a better mother like today when we were like 
Jake's like, it's 700 yards, which is nearly half a mile, which in Maine, the woods is it's very far mm -hmm. because you don't know if you're going to be going through a thicket that you can't hardly step through or if yeah. it's going to, you don't know what you're into because, and I, and he's like, well, you could stay here with the kids and three of us will go in there. I'm like, no, that does not sound like fun. He's like, what if you guys just went home? And I'm like, that doesn't sound like fun either. <laughs> like I didn't come out. I didn't put all this effort into coming out so I could just go home once the bears treed. Yeah. And, uh, and when that would, and you know, he's not being unfair to me. It's just that was what would work for the group. He's giving you options of options. Yeah. And I'm like, no, because yeah. we know that if we push the kids too far, that it's it's not fun. It's harder. It's harder for them. It's harder for us. And we don't know exactly the situation that we're getting into for the sure. hike, and whatever. We also didn't carry any packs for the to carry the kids in except for the baby. So we mm. have to carry them on our shoulders. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. I'm like we have enough adults for all the kids here. Mm. It's no, we're doing this. That's why we're here. And um, and so even though if I, if it was the same situation and I had to walk 650 yards through Walmart with kids and distractions, I would be a wreck. Mm. I would be an absolute different person. But I'm in my element. This is where I'm the happiest. This is where I want to show my kids that I'm the happiest. Mm. And so so it just it just balloons from there you know yeah you i mean we could kind of belabor the point but i think no you make sense that yeah you've, you put it together nicely and, and it makes a lot of sense i'm so impressed by you i'm so impressed by jake um, just your family unit like i haven't seen much of that i haven't seen a lot of that in my life and i'm just uh I, impressed is not really even the word I'm, I'm way beyond that it's just i i look at it and i you know aspire to it it's it's a really neat I mean, and nothing's perfect right, right. you're going to have your challenges you're going to have your you know whatever arguments if you do or you know oh, yeah. or talking about i want to do this or that but from what i'm seeing like and it doesn't seem like you're hiding anything from me like it you know if you're upset about something it seems like you're just saying it and trying to get through it just like today when you're on the ground going, I don't know if this is a good idea, but okay, get him, let's get them ready and let's go. And yeah. it turned out amazing. Yeah. You know, and it speaks to your point of doing what you've, it's in your heart. Yeah. So yeah, I'm highly impressed. You've made a great choice with Jake. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I don't thank know. Where, you. I don't know yeah. where you found Jake, but he's. I don't, uh, well, we didn't even get into all that. Yeah, we didn't even get the, into Jake. The helicopter crash and the Jake and the, yeah. Yeah, we but could we do don't, that. No, at any we don't point. have to. We could do that at any point. We, we don't wrote. have to do that, but, but yeah, he, um, we are blessed and I feel very lucky. Yeah, he's, he's an amazing dude. I told you that when I first met, or after I left, I was like, Jake is a star. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know where you found him, but he's, he's a, he's a light that just, came into my life he's just yeah, awesome yeah he's, yeah he's the he's the real deal so i um i don't know how long i'll be alive but i'd love to see like when that your dreams of this place this this outfitting business flourish one day and have your kids help in and you know uh you two standing at the you know at, at the top of it all and you yeah. know yeah i think i think well, your vision is good we're really we're really fortunate that we i mean we're we're uh there's already two generations ahead of us in this yeah. family that's really put a lot of groundwork and we're and are very supportive and mm -hmm. and and it's like you can't do this sort of thing without a tribe and yeah. so you know i appreciate all the the compliments to us but it we're not alone in our efforts yeah 
even yeah. though sometimes we're in the middle of the night totally sleep deprived and yeah. you know yeah wishing we had a nanny but um yeah, we yeah. we are really blessed. You have a lot of support, not just in like physical support, but it seems like you have a family. Like even as far as you know, what it, where it's Randy, it's even Lee. It's like it's all it's all these pieces that I've been lucky enough to, you know, touch since I've been here. Yeah. And I and I see this this web, this connection of like really beautiful like love and culture and hunting and like caring for each other and yeah it's, it's you don't see it very often you guys have something very special you, you may not think so but i'm telling you from from my experience and being around you have something very very special here well i appreciate that i i i think when i was when i was working i took it for granted and then when i left i was like those all, all my my people like those yeah. my, you know and, and especially since we we only not only left our job um, and pursued different career paths, but we moved, we're five hours, six hours away from where we were when we were, you know, on the bear crew and everything and around all those people. And so I definitely feel I, I'm more grateful now than I probably was then for that network mm -hmm. just because it's such, it's, it's, there's good people. We worked with some really good people. Yeah. Yeah. Can I also tell you something else that I've noticed the, just like with Kendall today, meeting Jake they don't give a darn about their phone. Like I, no, I was no. trying to send Kendall the video and, and I was like, do you have airdrop? And he's like, I don't know. What is that? Like, and he goes, my phone, I, I just like pay as I go or whatever that yeah, plan okay. is. Is like yeah. the, <laughs> that, you know, the Walmart plan or something you can just. Both Kendall and Jake had a flip phone till about five years ago. Yeah. They, and, and the only reason Jake didn't have a, no. Yeah. He became a ranger, and that's when he got his first smartphone. Oh, wow. So that was when, he, yeah, in 2019. He refused to get a smartphone because he didn't need it, and he didn't hardly text. Yeah. And when he did text, it was he could do it. And same with Kendall. Kendall would refuse to text Yeah. because he was just, he's stubborn. But, uh, you know, they're now, they now have smartphones, and they now are on them. But when yeah. they're out doing it, it's the present thing. Like, they're very present. Yeah. Plus, it helps that we don't have service. Yeah, there's no service We're, out there. Yeah. There's no service. I mean, we just got service in the town of Allagash in June. So wow. we were just living off of Wi-Fi for a while. Yeah, yeah. But that's something that I saw that was contiguous in some of the people that were more grounded mm -hmm. and the people who look at you when you talk to them and that you can have like extended conversations. The conversations I have here are the longest I've had in, I don't know, years. Like people are, the attention span for people are, mm -hmm. it's very short. The eye contact is usually not there. It's like, you know, when Jake looks at me, he's staring at me. He's burning into your soul. Oh, he's like, he's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And like he's looking, he's looking. Yeah. And, yeah. And he's really into the conversation. Yeah. He's very, he's very genuine with it, too. Yeah. You know, he and he likes to. I think I told you that when we first met that he 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 genuinely wants. To, well, a short story. When we after we dumped those orphan cubs in the in the den the first year that we worked together the next day we drove out to Oregon to pick up his banjo and his dirt bike. And that's, that was the, that's the start of Jake and Lisa. Mm -hmm. And, uh, on the way it was remarkable. Every gas station, cause at, at half a tank, he always would refuel. And so every four hours or so we'd stop at a gas station and, and we'd go in and just stretch our legs. And, um, 
and he would look at every gas attendant and they would usually have a name tag and he'd be like, hi, Teresa, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. Just staring at <laughs> And she's just like, good, good. He's like, yeah. And he would say something else that would finally engage her because she's so robotic. Yeah. And it would, it would, it would catch people off guard because it, and it was so, it pressed upon me so much to like get over yourself. Yeah. Take some time to say hello to somebody. And he did it without fail all across the country, all the way from Maine to Oregon and back. Yeah. that's. And he never, and so like, to me, that was like, this man's genuine. He, he genuinely, if he's going to engage, he means it. Yeah. And he, and it's, it's rare. Yeah. It's very rare. Yeah. It's neat to see. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's special. I'll tell you one quick Jake story that you've already heard too, but I want people to know. So he was telling me today we're, (laughs) we're driving in the truck and, I don't know how this story came up, but he he's guiding someone. Uh, I think they're a doctor in Canada or something, but he's guiding someone that he didn't realize that first, but um, they're vehemently against hunting. I think the, the person called and asked for a hiking guide. He goes, oh, yeah, I've never done that before. We can go, but didn't know that they're against hunting. But when they got here, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but it's the gist, you know, the gist of it. And so... Um, he takes the, the the guy out. I think he's in his fifties or sixties or something like that, and never been hunting. And uh, but very respectful. Once he got there, to know that Jake is a hunter, and uh, they're driving somewhere, and they see a moose. And again, like the whole conversation, the whole day is about this particular person being like like completely and has no he has no uh, sense of what even. It, He's against against it, but has no sense of what it is. What it is, yeah. yeah. But he's against it, like hundred percent right. against it, killing animals, hunting in general. And so they see a moose, and uh, say, "Well, there's a moose." And then you know the guy's taking, he has his camera, he's taking pictures. And Jake says, "You want to get close to that moose?" And the guy's like, "Really? Yeah." And so they start basically stalking the moose, and they're getting closer and closer, and they get pretty close. And he looks back. And Jake says the guy's knees are knocking, like he's sh- <laughs> he's shaking, <laughs> and he and Jake says, he goes he goes you see that feeling you got right there? He's like yeah, and he's like you're hunting, yeah, you know, yep. And how cool was that? Yep. So he was really after that he was really able to see get that feel, something that he would have never. And he's from New York or something like yep. some big city, yeah. Like he's something that he would have never gotten to experience without. Hey, do you want to get close to that moose? Yeah, you know, and to feel it, except he's shooting with his camera. Yep. He's shooting, but he's not actually shooting. Yeah, the outcome is different, but the method is. I mean, yeah. it, it's different, but the the method to get to the point to yeah, whatever is the same. Yeah, and it's not killing. We we don't, we don't call this sport killing. We call it hunting, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what he. I just thought that that was such an amazing story that he got to actually experience what it might be like, and maybe. If he understood the factory farming and, and if he, he if he eats meat and really a smart person can process it and say, OK, well, and it's going to be difficult to take that animal's life. But I understand now. Right? right. And I can I would like to harvest that meat this way. And for somebody to feel that sensation or that experience of the close proximity and that excitement and that and then not question what that was all about. Yeah. You know, like. It, it's it's profound it was it's a profound experience it's really great that jake was able to turn that or and come full circle in their conversations and say see like this is what you're experiencing but then for this man it'd be so neat to follow up with him and be like 
now don't you want to dig a little deeper? Why do you feel that way? And like, yeah, it's such a primal. It's not you're not. Maybe you are a little bit scared or intimidated at the close proximity, but I don't remember the story like that. He was super close. Yeah, he was. And I don't know how far, but but he was close enough to be shaking. Yeah. 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 And for people to like it for people to not. To go through life and not know that that exists, Mm -hmm. you know, like to have have the only what is it, a dopamine or, you know, whatever those experiences only come from substances or driving fast or whatever. When you can just literally walk out in the woods and interact in such a way that like blows your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Dopamine hits. The people are getting them now from likes or from text messages right. or seeing that, that little, uh, like one or two on their text message. People get hits off that. I've actually felt it. I'm like, why am I nervous, excited? What is going on when I'm about to enter into a conf, a conflict or a like a a, a clashing conversation with somebody? Mm-hmm. Like if somebody's like, if there's an, a potential for conflict in dialogue online, I felt it, and I'm like, whoa, yeah, what yeah. is this? Sure, sure, yeah. But people, people probably at this point think that's completely normal. Well, it is for people, especially kids and, you know, teenagers who are growing up in this and in young adults who've started that way. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't we didn't have like smartphones and that kind of stuff. It was that's introduced and we've we've evolved with it and I get it. But there is a time or there there was a time recently where I just said, okay, I think I'm smart enough to know especially from hunting my hunting started five to seven years ago I was able to get that high whatever you want to call it out there and it felt more natural Mm. it felt more of like okay this is oh this is inside me it's a primal thing that's inside me and it feels like it's right right rather than I just got a text message or I just got a like on Instagram I got a bunch of a rush of likes on Instagram it's completely different because now I'm going to be chasing this um, this uh, piece of technology, this piece of phone to get my dopamine hits, which right. how natural is that, right? Rather than where did I come from? Why am I, why am I here? Where, how, how did my ancestors bring me to this place? Mm-hmm. It wasn't off that phone. Right. You know, so at some point you, you, you branch off and I get it. We need it. We need, especially we need email. It's the we nature need, of things now. It is. It is. And so we need those kinds of things, especially in a world where you need to get there faster. You need to do this. You need to get that email quickly to get on top of that job or whatever it is. I get that. There needs to be a balance there. But like I was telling, I think it was, man, I think we've, we've touched on it on every podcast at least a little bit. But I was telling someone, I said, I just wish that there was a class or something to where that a gentleman like that who Jake, you know, turned and said, Hey, that's hunting that what you're feeling there is hunting. I wish everybody could feel that and at least be, be educated to the point where they, they can make their own decision, have an informed uh, perspective where they can make their own decision. It's such an aha moment. It is that you can't replicate artificially in any other way. You just can't simulate what that man felt. Right that close to that moose yeah it's sad to know that those people though in that those those environments will some of them will never feel what it feels like 
you know, they'll never know. And then continue on to believe what they believe with no, and vote how they vote and which is, yeah, it is what it is. But sometimes it's just like, if only I've, I've said this to my sister. Um, she had a, I don't know if I'm going to really be able to tie this in, but she had a, a, a Vishla, a working dog. And, um, she, she didn't want at the time and she's, she thinks differently about things now, but at the time she didn't want to hunt the dog. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, you should really hunt her. She's like, she, it's just such a whatever. And she's like, I don't want it to change the, that is a hound, right? Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a bird. It's a, it's, it's a, it's like the, the versatile working dog, but it's a bird dog. Mm-hmm. And, um, she said she didn't want to hunt it because she didn't, she liked the relationship that they had and she didn't want it to change. Like, I think maybe she might've been implying she didn't want it to want that more than her or, you know, who Hmm. knows. But, and I was just like, it just, I wish that you could feel what I feel with my dogs Hmm. when I'm, when I'm hunting with them, how proud I am of them, of them and how much they feed off of, we feed off of each other. And they're so tuned into, you know, when you get in certain situations, oh, this could, I don't know how much time we have to, um, continue. You have time. Uh, but so this is a really great story and I'll be able to, I probably won't be able to do it justice, um, for the experience that we had. And I was, I didn't see this, but I was there for a good portion of this. Um, we were doing den work in 2019 so I was pregnant I remember being like I don't know if I should be running with snowshoes I'm starting to feel a little funny um but we had this female that we couldn't catch she was eluding us in the den she would as soon as we got within 100 yards with us she would she would run off and we couldn't catch her we couldn't because you have to get right close to him before you can get a dart in before you can jab him Mm. jab being tranquilize him um and so after like the f- second time of trying in a winter, she, you'll you'll pretty much never get her. I mean, we've tried in the middle of the night on a new moon. We've tried like they're so tuned in to the fact that somebody's approaching them once they have a couple experiences. Like if they're going to be a runner, they're going to be a runner. And so um, we've tried, you know, all these different things because we're approaching the den like a SWAT team. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and we're not we're whistling, we're not using we're doing hand signals, we're all we have a, a kind of a specific style in which we approach the den and and you just kind of swarm them. Mm-hmm. And if you do it right and everything's right, you play the wind. It's hunting every day mm. in the wintertime. It's really cool. it's really fun. It's a adrenaline rush because you're just that pursuit and then and then shooting the animal is tranquilizing them and then you capture them and you're you're proud of yourself you're proud of your team but sometimes they elude you so we're like let's i'm like man let's use um let's use dogs like it's i know it's denmark but we don't have a lot of snow let's just bring jake and i had two dogs or three dogs at the time and i'm like we'll bring them down and after we do this this let's go over to this her name was jug the bear um they all have numbers but we just had you know nicknamed him because it's easier to remember a hundred nicknames than a hundred four digit numbers you know yeah so um so jake and i the way we do it is that the bear has a radio caller and i have a receiver and i have a directional antenna so anytime i'm pointing at the bear it's beeping the loudest beep is the direction that i go to so Mm. my job is just to scan the woods with this antenna that i'm pointing 
and there's a lot more to it, but I just walk towards the strongest beep. Sure. And um, so Jake and I go in there, and our job is just to basically get as close as we can, cut her track, and then let the dogs go on her. And we just let two dogs go. And um, Drifter was one of them, and he was a young dog, and he was useless. And then we had this dog, Hornet, who has since passed away. Hornet um, was an excellent little bear dog. And the long story short is Hornet got this bear up into a rock cavity on the edge of a lake. And she was just baying it. And then Jake came up because I, a series of events, we got separated. And I went back for a snow sled. And, and Randy and our other crew member, Roach, were trying to, we're all trying to get into this place where Hornet, we're on the radios. We're like all trying to convene to where Hornet is, baying this bear in a rock cavity. Jake comes up and he has a dart rifle and a dart pistol. And the pistol's for short range from me to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe from me to the wall you know, 20 feet away, 15 feet away. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, but accuracy, they just fall out of the barrel basically. Mm-hmm. And then the dart rifle is from that distance to out to, you know, 30, 40 yards. Okay. And, um, so anyways, she's in the rock cabin. He's like, okay, it's contained. His snowshoe was broken. So he bent down to get the snowshoe and he was tying it. And all of a sudden he looked up and the bears right in his face and blew by Hornet blew just ran basically ran him over to get out of there just all of a sudden he thought he was fine so he he's falling back and he he takes his dart pistol out and shoots her in the butt as she's running away and it just bounces out of her so it didn't have enough oomph to like penetrate all of her wool and whatever he's like ah so hornet takes after it and the bear is climbing up all these huge erratics these huge boulders on the edge of the lake and hornet's baying it climbing up baying it climbing up baying it and she'd get to the top of the rock and hornet would bay and jake's just trying to stay up with him in snowshoes some at some point roach the other worker comes out and he gets on the lake and at this point the bear is crossing the lake hornet behind it jake shortly behind them the bear climbs up on this big huge rock the size of like two cars and it kind of has a shelf on the back side so it's like peak it on the front and then a shelf where the bear can kind of sit uh so she's going to climb up to that and hornet's getting really close and like kind of you know baying or barking at her and she's just had enough of Hornet. So she turns around and runs Hornet down. But it's just deep enough snow. And she runs Hornet in a direction of like bushes. So Hornet can't get away. So she's on top of Hornet. So Jake runs up to her and he takes his dart rifle. And he just starts hitting the bear over the back. Like, get off my dog. Mm-hmm. And the bear's biting Hornet. It's just a mess. And the bear gets off Hornet and jumps up on the top of that huge rock. And, and Hornet's... She's, I mean, I had to, I had to fix her up after that whole ordeal. She was injured, but she just didn't stop. And when Roach came out onto the lake, he, he said it was the coolest picture. The sun was setting and here's man and dog climbing up on a rock with a bear on top of the rock. And Jake's got his dart pistol. I think he had tried to shoot the bear numerous times, but the darts kept failing. Mm-hmm. And so Hornet's on the rock climbing with Jake. Jake's got his, Jake's trying to help her up and he's got his hand on her back and a dart pistol in the other one. And they're peeking over this peak of the peak of the rock to a bear on the other side and trying to get a dart off of her. And he's just like, it's the most beautiful thing, like Mm. man and dog. And we're just, this is at work. We're just trying to, we're just utilizing our dogs for this particular bear in this particular moment. Mm. But she, she was such a warrior. Like she, and she would work so hard for us, you know, she got beat down and she was like, we're doing it again. And it, it, it ended up that he shot that bear, the dart, the dart failed again. 
and I I flanked him somehow and me and Hornet I was on snowmobile and Hornet was on the si- other side and I flanked her and then I her Hornet and I treat her with the snowmobile and Hornet but it's just like it's such an amazing experience to be able to s- share that and if when you feel it when you're like this is this is so intense and this is so incredible and I can't believe I'm doing this and then for somebody else to be just be like yeah I don't they don't know anything about it yeah. And they're like, I don't like that. Or they've never felt anything. They've never, yeah. they just kind of live in this like shell of a world with these ideas. Yeah. And they, and even, even my sister, I mean, she has, she's a wonderful dog owner so, and she's not against hunting. It's not for her, mm. but um, she's just like, nah, I don't want to change my relationship. And okay, but you don't know what's on the other side. Yeah. You yeah. know, they don't want to look. Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, it's weird. It's part of me is like, okay, you know, if that's really what you feel, that's that's okay. Because you don't want to, um, I call it like just swerving into somebody else's lane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like it when people swerve into my lane. But I'm also kind of open to, like, if you come over, I, I'll at least explain to you why I'm over here. Yeah. You know, some people uh, will come into your lane and tell you you're wrong. You know what I mean? I'm just not that type of person. Right. And that's in our, in our world right now. I think there's a lot of that, that, you know, people come into your lane and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong without getting, like you say, that experience, that, that beautiful experience of the dog and the and man going over the rock and like like the most beautiful thing. Some people, they'll never experience that. That's number one. Some people don't even care to because they're, I want to say stuck in their way, but more... I'm fine here. Just like yeah. what you said about, you know, your your sister, no offense to her, but I'm fine here. There's no need for that for me. Well, and and I guess, you know, the same could be said for me in a lot of different aspects of my life where I'm like I'm I'm comfortable where I am. Sure. I'm happy with, you know, I don't need to expand here or there, but yeah, it's when the it's when the the driving into your lane, somebody else drives into my lane about it where i'm like come yeah. on i, I yeah. don't think you're getting the whole picture here yeah at least if you're gonna come over in this lane spend some time over here let me show you what's right. happening yeah. you know don't come over and criticize if you if you don't know what it is you know i had a, per, a another this was just yesterday that last podcast with tim uh tim fuller from uh, alaska we were talking about religion at the end of our podcast um he's and a devout Christian. And so we, we were talking about this same kind of thing towards the end. And, uh, I love it. I love that we talk about that cause it's relevant mm-hmm. in, in, uh, uh, for, I'm seeing it more, you know, me being a hunter. I don't think that if it wasn't just like you hunting has been so important in your family life. I don't know that it would be if I didn't discover hunting, if it didn't teach me some of the 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 morals and the ethics and the the type of things that I didn't get from not having my you know having like a, a co- cohesive family unit mm-hmm. and having like somebody like bring me up I've mentioned this before but it's almost like hunting and and being out in the forest has in some way raised me you know as like you say mother nature you know well it maybe it maybe drew out a a um I don't really have a full thought about this, but like it, the, the, the masculine presence or the, in different aspects, there's like the cohesive unit of like a, you know, hunting friends that hunt. There's a lot of 
community involvement, but mm. also like, I think we kind of touched on it last in another conversation that there, I can't remember how you put it, but you, was it while we were driving the yeah, truck? Yeah. The first, yeah. the first day it was just like, there's a lot of masculine, um, yeah, it's not a full thought. So it's, no, it's, it's okay. It's a struggle. I, I, I mentioned this today with Jake and I think it's, it might be where you're going with it. But for me, the, there was a, um, there was a part of me that was missing there. And it was that, uh, the, the, I don't know, I guess maybe it was my ancestors speaking to me. I was, I know it's going to sound a little no. wonky, no. but maybe it's my ancestors speaking to me and pushing me in that direction of, Hey, we hunted it's time that you discover. Let's let's, yeah. let's let's start meandering. Let's start moving over into this area because it's about time now. Okay? Yeah. You spent your whole life not knowing. It's time to know. It's time to well, know. And the, like, well, Jake and I have talked about this. Um, when you're hunting, because uh, I was thinking like your ancestors, there's an energy there. It doesn't just disappear. Sure. It goes somewhere. And maybe you cross paths with it and it, and it helps guide you or however you want to look at it. But... Um, Jake is more of a, I would say like a traditional hunter than I am. I, I have hunted and now I hound hunt. And so I don't just go sit in the woods for hours or walk around for hours looking for game. Like that's just mm. not, um, maybe if I didn't have a young family, I would do more of it, but where I put my energy is into dogs. So I would say that I would speak more to Jake's experience, but there have been times where you're just simply walking in the woods and it's not different than any other place than you were just in but all of a sudden the hair stands up on the back of your neck mm. or you get chills or you're like you have a f heavy feeling or you're you feel like you're not alone or whatever the case may be and there's there's something to say that there's there if you looked around you might find a cemetery i think his mom had said that she she had that feeling and she looked around and there was this like i don't know if i'm gonna I'm probably just making this up, but there's, there was something notable there. And it's just like, that's, that's important to pay attention to that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so if you are like entering into this world and, and your ancestors are speaking to you to draw you to this path, like it very well could be. Yeah. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just because it's not fact doesn't mean that it's not happening because it's it's a it's definitely a feeling yeah. you know and you're trying you're trying to reconcile with it and trying to figure out why you're feeling the way you're feeling and just like the guy you know that uh jake was guiding that that was his knees were knocking that's how i felt when i first was doing my first stalk too it's like there's something here something's happening here mm -hmm. there's you know uh there's something that is coming alive that's inside me mm -hmm. you know so um man i'm, I'm glad that that we're able to see that, you know, and, and not to mention the fact that you're a woman or anything, but I, I'm glad that, that you and I are able to like to, to, um, connect in that way mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of women that I meet that are able to do that. They're yeah. not able to see it that this way. It's, it's, believe it or not, you're rare. It's a rare thing. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think it's, you know, it's probably more common in my community or my area, you know, because we're sure than probably where the 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 type of women that, you know, you interact with in your prior life or or whatever, like you're yeah, you're just in different you're just in different cultures. But um, I tend to feel like in my experience, 
with the bear crew, uh, you can always just tie it back to that. I remember sitting so many times listening to the guys talk because I would, I just putter. Like I don't necessarily engage in, I like, I engage in philosophical conversations or, um, you know, like a Randy and I would joke, we were professional complainers. Like if we were, if there was a moment to complain, like that would be what we would do together mm-hmm. or just philosophical stuff. But, uh, our coworker Roach, Jake, Randy, they could talk about fishing for hours <laughs> and I would be doing paperwork or cleaning or just like, I have to putter that's, I can't just sit for very long. Mm-hmm. And I'm always listening or sometimes I'd just be like, I'd be writing or drawing or anything mm-hmm. and I'd be li- not participating, listening to them. And the way a story could transcend from a fish that they caught to historical Indian portage trails throughout the state and trade routes of chert, which is a type of stone that the the natives in um the Native Americans in, in the Northeast was like a prized stone is chert. And I'm, I know if Roach listens to this, he's going to be like, you got it wrong. I, whatever. <laughs> but just a simple, like, oh, I went into that pond and I caught this trout. It was a 16 inch trout. And then they talk about how they got to the pond. And then, and then in great detail, Roach and Jake will go over the hills and the mountains and the tributaries to this stream. And then the Indians that use that stream and then where they travel from that and portaged over to this headwaters to that down into the Moosehead up into the Allagash, like, Holy crap. Yeah. That's and neat. women don't talk like that. Yeah. Women do talk about things or people, maybe events, but they do not talk about places and history. And what is that? I don't know. That's I think less probably less so than about the the connection that you have like the conversations you've had with other women or that I'm a rare find. I think it's that most it's just that most women don't talk about uh, I see this sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true too, I guess. Yeah. Cuz if I'm in a room full of women, we're not talking like this. Uh, we're I'm like talking about my kids, I'm talking about you know, in recent years, because this has been the bulk of my experience is like having kids and raising kids. And, you know, you talk about your birth experience, your pregnancy experience, your raising kids, the struggles with toddlers. Like, that's what I talk about with women. I don't. But is it, it it's not that you can't, right? You could. I think it's, well, it's obviously the season of life in which we're in, mm. but I don't get around a lot of, well, I, I don't get around a lot of women. And when I do. That those are the topics. Those are the topics. Yeah. But even before, it would be. I don't know. You think that's because you can't talk to most men about it? About uh, like, well, no. I mean, I talk to Jake about it all the time. <laughs> he's interested he's too in me. Yeah, well, he's right there with me, struggling through it. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I think the interest is different. Uh, yeah, there's yeah, there's probably a, like a boundary there yeah. you just don't really talk about. Sure. But but those the men that have been through it, like Kendall, you know, I'm always counseling on him on how not to be such a such a grouch, you know, mm. uh, or or just lighten up about this or about that. But he he gains different perspective from me when mm. talking about my perspective as a woman because he, you know sometimes when you talk to 
your spouse, you're just like, I don't get it. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, I guess there's probably a little bit of that. It's a complicated thing. Sure. But I do think it's very, it's profoundly real that men talk about places in history. I'm telling you, it's not just about catching the fish. It's about the tribes of Indians that caught a fish before there that men like to dive into. <laughs> and I just don't, in my experience, women do not talk about that. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You're, you're to your point. I think you're right. I think there maybe are a lot of women out there that are like you. It's just that I have, I, I come from a different like place. Yeah. Right. So there, if I spent a lot of time in, you know, in places like this where a lot of women are in the, you know, forest and, you know. Just maybe hunting. a little bit closer to the land. Sure, perhaps. exactly. Yeah, I think that's true too. Yeah, because they're out there. I mean, it's not like I don't run into them. I run into women hunters all the time. Yeah. Just, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not there constantly. I don't, I didn't grow up like that and, and whatnot. But, um, but anyway, hey, so thank you. Yeah. Yeah, this was real fun. It and was. Yeah, and we'll get into, I mean, who knows? I always tell Randy and whoever I talk to, like, we can always do this again. It's like, it's it's it was just, I wanted to talk with you mm-hmm. to get your story out there because I find you fascinating. I find, I would love to get Jake on when, I know, at some point, he's at, shy. At some point when he's ready or not, I, like I told him, I'm like, I'm, I'm super respectful of your uh, recluseness yep. when it comes to yep. <laughs> when it comes to this this whole topic but he's uh he's definitely somebody uh, that a lot of people would uh I just think his voice would resonate too just like yours. Yeah. So, but yeah. thank you for taking the time. I know you got to get back to the kids. Yeah, I do. So, but so. it's this has been awesome. I appreciate talking to you and I'm glad that you came out with us this morning. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. I'll see you guys again like sooner than you think. Okay. You know, I'm coming out in October, so. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm thankful. Thank you. Yeah. Okay.